Welcome to Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Gary. And we have a very intriguing Best Picture showdown for you guys today. It's the 73rd Academy Awards, the films of 2000. A very underrated year, I'd say. Uh, this is the ceremony where Gladiator destroyed the competition, was up for 12 Oscars, won five, and won Best Picture. It beat Chocolat. Not, a, not the best movie, but that's okay. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, a monumental foreign film that broke barriers at the Oscars, made way for films like Parasite to do what they've done. A uh, very important movie by, by Mr. Ang Lee. Uh, Aaron Brockovich, a Steven Soderbergh film. And Traffic, another Steven Soderbergh film. So this, this is a cool group, my man. We haven't had a well-rounded group like this in a while, I feel like. And... I'd say four of these movies are worth their own episode, and that just doesn't doesn't happen very often. And Gladiator is one of the like first best picture big movies I saw as a kid, you know. And and like I had a fucking uh, we had this movie room at my house uh, when I was younger, and my dad was like, um, I have three brothers, and my dad was like, each of you can pick a movie poster, like a nice poster online. I'll frame it, and we'll put it in that room. Uh, so at the time I was probably like 10 or 11 and I picked, I picked gladiator. Uh, my brother, Jeremy picked kingdom of heaven, which is funny, you know, kingdom of heaven and gladiator. Uh, my little brother who is probably six at the time chose like Mike, <laughs> uh, classic bow wow. And my oldest brother, Adam, I believe, chose Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. I'm pretty sure that's what he chose. So we had we had a good group of, group of posters up on the wall. Mine was Gladiator, though. You know, and I, I wish I still had that poster because it was, it was such like a cool little thing to have. It was probably my first like favorite movie as a kid, you know, where I just got really attached to it. It was one of the first, you know, um, adult type movies where it's, it's more for grown up and mature minds. It's one of those first movies my parents were just like, you have to see this. Like they're both in love with this movie and, and they showed it to me. And now I've owned it for, I've owned it for like 16, 17 years now. You know what I mean? It's one of those that's been with me the same DVD. I've had it for so long and it's, it's one, it's one that's like special to my heart. I feel like every boy at some point, this is their favorite movie. <laughs> you know, it just, it's part of like your journey as a, as a movie person. If, if you're like, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, Gladiator is probably your favorite movie if you're into movies. Uh, and I, I, I love that. I still really like it. You know what I mean? It still holds up, still looks really cool. Performances are great. Hans Zimmer's fucking batting a thousand percent. Ridley Scott is, is the fucking man, directs the shit out of this movie. Uh, and I'm so happy to be able to talk about it today and give it awards. And I, I feel like you and I have had this one circled since we started the show. Yeah, it's an exciting film and a memorable one. And it's one of the few cases where a Best Picture winner crossed over with pop culture success. That doesn't happen a lot. But this is one of the rare occasions where it was a huge movie and then it got major Oscar attention. And it's yeah. just become like one of the classics of the 2000s and pretty much launched Russell Crowe to superstardom. I mean, he was, you know, somebody, but then he did Gladiator and he was like the guy. Yeah. Same with Joaquin Phoenix. I think this was the movie where he was yep. finally able to escape his brother's shadow and become his own actor. A hundred percent. This is his like coming out party. Like, hey, I'm I'm good. 
I can really change a film and I can be really weird, really creepy. Uh, great villain. Commodus is a great, great villain. And him and Russell Crowe going toe to toe is, is something, something to see. I love all, I love all the side, you know, supporting performances too. There's not really any weak link in my opinion. Uh, fucking Richard Harris is so good at the beginning of the movie, right? Such that's such a nice touch to have. Uh, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm stoked. This movie's on Amazon Prime right now. So if you don't own it, there is a place to watch it. And this, this will be kind of in the stream of consciousness for forever. I think, uh, for for movie people, it's like you said, it won Best Picture, but it was also extremely successful. It's one of the five highest grossing movies from that year, and. Um, and now you see over the past 22 years, you see that it opened the floodgates for movies like this, these historical drama action movies. Uh, I, I think without it, you know, I don't, I don't know if Lord of the Rings does as well as it does. I don't think Game of Thrones does what it does, you know, 10 years later. I think this was like the first like big time sword movie from this century that was like, Hey, these, these can be really good. They can be really intriguing and they can, they can do something with storytelling where it parallels some of the things we're going through still today in society all over the world with, you know, politics and demographics and all these different big, you know, concepts and and topics. And and it it gives you this relatability while you're watching something from so long ago. And that's really cool. What brought back the swords and sandals kind of like Ben Hur, Spartacus, but without all the goofy shit, like, you know, senators lying on fainting couches, eating grapes. Like we didn't have any of that shit. Like this was a serious movie yeah. that was built on a really fun action movie. And that's yeah. really cool. I love it. It's, it's, a, it's a rare sort and that's cool. Yeah. Love that, man. Is this, where is this at for you with Ridley Scott? Is this his masterpiece to you or, or like where, you know, is alien his masterpiece still, you know, I, this is such an interesting movie for him. It is a great movie. It is one of his best. Uh, I am pretty firm on the alien camp. Me too. Yeah. Gladiator yeah. is a badass movie, and I'm very glad he's got it in his catalog. He's got such a cool career. I think, you know, Alien and Blade Runner have eclipsed so many amazing films that people don't really talk about that much with Ridley Scott. Yeah. And that's a damn shame. Yeah, I agree. I think he I think he's the master of uh, building towards a moment that you're going to remember forever, you know, whether it be an alien or, or Blade Runner or Thelma and Louise, you know, like building up to that final moment or, or, or gladiator. You're, you're building up to this showdown between a guy who's going to have his vengeance in this life or the other or the next, you know, like it's going to happen. And it really got so good at that. He's so good. The last duel from last year did that so well, where it's like this epic two and a half, you know, two, two hour and 45 minute movie, it becomes so worth the wait and the grind of watching the movie because the finale is like, holy shit, what a spectacle. He's so good at that. And I love him, man. You know, I love the guy. I, he's got a few movies I'm not you know crazy about, but I think more than half of them are like really solid and well worth the conversation. Oh, absolutely. And I love that whole thing. You know, I never really caught onto that, but he is all about the buildup. Everyone yeah. in his movies is just like, aching towards that incredible epic climax i mean you know i think of like the martian which is yeah yes waiting like when's he's gonna get off the planet but like how's it gonna happen when's it gonna happen is he gonna survive the the attempt it's awesome even his first movie the duelists is all about like when are these two guys gonna kill each other it's that's a great that's a great observation (laughs) 
Yeah, when I was watching Gladiator, I, I, you know, I, I've seen it so many times. But I, when we started this show, there's so many movies. When we started Oscar Sunday, there's so many movies where I'm like, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna like like let it let it breathe over here, and I'm gonna wait till we bring it up on the show to rewatch it. Normally, I'd watch Gladiator once a year or something, but I waited, you know, over two years now to watch it. And I just kind of forgot how how it like just got me going. And I was like, oh my God. I texted my two older brothers and my dad. And I was like, this movie just reminds me of you guys, you know, because like we used to watch this back back when we were younger and and we all started just sending quotes to each other from the movie, you know. And I'm I'm like 10 minutes in and I'm like, you know, on my signal, unleash hell, you know, <laughs> you know. And my brother's coming back with stuff and, and it was it was it was really cool. It was like a really, you know, neat, neat, neat moment. And my dad was like, yeah, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm so glad you guys like it. And like, we've just carried it with us, you know? And uh, so when I was watching it uh, a couple nights ago, I watched it and I was just like, man, really Scott, he's, he's got this signature style of not, not trying to confuse you or be, be, do something totally out there and like make you wonder what the story is even about. He's like, this is what it's about. It's about vengeance. It's about getting back about finding finding your way and that's cool doesn't need to be rocket science you know sometimes movies are best when they're just building towards something special that we all get you know goosebumps over and that's what gladiator does or like hand over fist yeah the journey that's what it's about that's what every film should be about is you enjoy the experience it's not all about just you know having something to like to like hold over people which a lot of people use with older films a lot of you know wannabe critics I like a movie that's just a straightforward story that you get engrossed in and stays with you. And yeah. that's what Scott's really good at. And that's what gladiator is in spades. Yes. hundred percent, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm so excited to get into this one. We'll give awards out to it here in a little bit and then we'll rank, uh, you know, this is a fucking showdown. So we're going to rank the best picture nominees. Uh, and you know, we'll go five to one on that after we do the gladiator awards. And then we'll, we, we, we got, we got some categories to look at cause there's fucking, 12 total nominations for gladiator. So we'll do that towards the end. We'll look at the 73rd Academy Awards. But uh, before, before we get into that, I know you've been uh, doing some interesting shit as far as watching goes. I want to hear kind of about the past week or so, like what you've been getting into. I know um, you saw, you saw something in theaters yesterday, right? (laughs) Yes, I did. I, um, I went with uh, fellow uh, filmgasm co-host Colton, to a special screening of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, one of the funniest movies of all time. And we had an absolute blast. That was just a delightful experience. We got a little coconut here. I don't know if this comes up on the, on the recording, but little coconut. Oh, that's fucking great. <laughs> and a uh, big inflatable Excalibur sword. Oh yes. Let's go. <laughs> It was fun. It was just a sea of Monty Python nerds just having a, a blast. We it was it was really fun. That's the best. That's that's great. You, you that's the best thing Draft House does is you know the passion for those old movies. Uh, what about yeah? You've been watching House of Dragons and 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 all that kind of shit. Like what what other movies have you been watching? Um, I've been watching the House of the Dragon. Um, uh, or Dragon. Yeah, I thought it was Dragons. It's, <laughs> I, it's yeah. I obviously don't watch it. <laughs> It's good. Um, TV's been taking kind of a back burner because of all the shit I've got to do with school and the podcast. Yeah. And it's like, I got to pick priorities and it's not going to be TV. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did watch for the first time uh, the 1940 uh, Pinocchio. 
Ah, interesting. I had fully intended to double feature it with Zemeckis's Pinocchio until I saw the reviews and I backed away from that project really quickly. Yeah, I'm I'm good on that. Yeah. Damn shame. But Pinocchio holds up. It's a sweet movie. It's endearing, you know, it's about, you know, finding your place in the world and accepting your limitations and like you know fighting for something, but also one of the fucking scariest movies Disney has ever produced. I forgot about the whole Pleasure Island thing, which was downright terrifying. Just kids turning into donkeys, the blood-curdling scream. Holy hell, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I haven't seen that in ages. Yeah. But um, it's neat. You know, I want to eventually watch all of the Disney animated classics, you know, their whole run from Snow White to Encanto. And I've seen a good chunk, but a lot of the early ones I still have not yet watched. So I'm working towards that. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. That's good, man. I, I love it. I, I know uh, you got you got a full plate over there, you know, and of course you have to watch stuff for, for this one and Filmgasm and, and Beyond the Bad. And, and, and with these showdowns, we always watch these five. And for whatever reason, we both do this. This has become what we both do. We'll like watch one of them. You know, there's usually five nominees, right? We'll watch one of them like in advance and then, oh, fuck. The week of, we're like, oh, shit. We got to watch four or five fucking movies in one week. And, and it becomes it, it, it becomes like a down to the wire thing. Or yeah. like, I, I was literally, I watched one night, I watched uh, you know, Brockovich, Aaron Brockovich. Then I watched Crouch of Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Then I watched Gladiator. Then I watched Traffic. And I was like, holy shit, I'm, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not burnt out in any way. But it's it, it becomes almost like a, a like like I said it's like a high wire fucking act <laughs> you know we're we're trying to pull this these shows off I try to do some in advance but with that comes that that recency bias thing where if I watched Traffic a month ago and I watched Gladiator last night it's like well, well there's a difference in my my adoration for it because the, you know, one of them was a while ago and I've seen so much in between that time. So when you do watch them the week of, there is something kind of neat about that where you're you're like stuck in a year for a week. And there's something kind of unique about that, but I know we both procrastinate with, with these. I like to act like I use my time wisely, but my actions do not back that up. Just, (laughs) I mean, this is not our first time doing this. Literally every fucking showdown. I'm fitting most of it into like Wednesday to Friday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same here, man. Same here. It's just the way it, way it fucking goes over here. Uh, <laughs> that's so funny that we both, we both feel that way. Uh, I've used, I've used the past couple weeks though, to watch other movies from this year, whether it be rewatching them or watching them for the first time. And uh, it's been, it's been really good for me. Um, I, I've checked out some stuff that I've heard is great. I've heard you talk about a couple of these, these movies I watched and, and, and it wasn't so much watching Oscar movies. It was just kind of watching things that I, I wanted to check out for, for my own sake. So uh, the first one I watched was uh, high fidelity directed by Stephen Frears. Um, I can't believe I hadn't seen it yet. You know, it was my first time it's Jack Black's like coming out party where he, he, he does this amazing performance at the end of the movie that is just so worth all of your time uh not normally a huge john cusack fan but he's great in that movie i, I really really like high fidelity it's it's about a, a a freaky obsessive uh 
music guy, you know, and, and he owns his own record shop. So it was just right on my alley. I think you would love it too, man. You know, it's, it, it it's, it's unique. It's a time capsule for sure. And I, I had a fucking blast with it. Um, I watched X-Men in 2000. That was a rewatch, obviously, but I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I know you've stood by that, that movie firmly and man, that, that one's really good. It's, probably of the century like one of my five to ten favorite superhero movies it's really good like really strong really strong film i watched that and then a few days later i had watched the new thor and i was like no like no Mm. this this is way better (laughs) this this fucking x-men movie from 22 years ago is way better and and i I really liked it now i'm gonna watch uh probably sometime soon i'll watch x you know i'll watch x2 which i know is like everybody loves that one you know, I'll do I'll, I'll do the last stand and, you know, I'll, I'll kind of go down a little X-Men rabbit hole. Two's really fun because the bad guy is Brian Cox. And I love Brian Cox. Yeah. Playing a like obsessive colonel who hates mutants with a passion and wants them all destroyed. And he finds a way to do that with Professor X. And it's so cool. And like Magneto and the X-Men team up to stop him. And it's it's an awesome movie, man. It's probably it's probably the best X-Men movie. Uh, yeah yeah right i remember liking that one the most as a kid so i'm yeah i'm excited i like doing stuff like that because i don't watch superhero movies that often so it's like rewarding when i get to go back after years of not seeing them so that yeah that was great x-men's awesome it's on hbo max along with the others i owe my entire love of superheroes to 2000s x-men that's the first superhero movie i ever saw i was five years old my mom and i were in new york city we were going to go see it. We went to the automated ticket machines, which they just started using. And somebody had bought tickets for the recent, sh- like for the next show and didn't get them. Like they didn't pick them up. So they were just oh. two tickets to X-Men in like 10 minutes lying in the machine. Yeah. So we grabbed them. We went and saw X-Men and my life was never the same. <laughs> yeah, that's great. The Lord has spoken. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. That's, it's not an HBO Max. It's on Disney Plus, right? It's a Disney yeah. Plus. It's a fucking Disney thing now. Uh, all right. They have everything, so why not? Uh, uh, then I, I watched a movie uh, that I know you like that I hadn't seen, a comedy called Best in Show, uh, directed by Christopher Guest. That movie's awesome, really, really funny, about dog people who are fucking insane. And uh, I, I, I thought the cast was super unique. My favorite was Catherine O'Hara. thought she was awesome. So that was, a, that was a good time. That one's on HBO Max. Best in Show is so fucking funny. I love that uh, Christopher Guest, just he has his people you know, his crew, Eugene Levy, Michael McKean, Catherine O'Hara, and he just gives them an outline and they all just make it up as they go along. It's hilarious. My favorite part was Fred Willard as the uh, commentator who knows nothing about dogs and just keeps asking weird ass questions. Like, here's a random thought. How much do you think I could bench press? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's brilliant. It's really, really good. I, I, I had a blast with that. I, I was laughing my ass off. Uh, that I watched X-Men and Best in Show back to back in one day. And I was like, this, I love doing shit like that. Like polar opposite movies from, from the same year. Really cool. Uh, a few days after that, I watched Sexy Beast directed by Jonathan Glazer. And whew, I love that one. I gave that's like a nine out of 10 movie. I love that movie. Um, it, it turns everything, you know, about a film like this, a, you know, gangster film, it turns it on its head and does things that you are not expecting from it. And I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. Incredible performances. Probably my favorite Ben Kingsley performance uh, of his career. He's fucking amazing in that. Uh, Ian McShane is like 
so scary. And, and yeah, I, I really like that one. That one's on Hulu. I highly recommend it. I think it's like a hidden gem. And uh, I, I know you you enjoy that one as well. Yeah, it's a vicious gangster flick. I love some about like Cockney English gangster flicks are like my fucking bread and butter. I don't yeah. know what it is about that. I love that. That guy Richie vibe. It's the best. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It's a great, it's a great template, you know, to use the, these these gritty motherfuckers that are, are just so unlike what, what what we're used to with American gangster movies. It's just completely different. So love that one. Uh, then I watched The Gleaners and I, um, a Agnes Varda directed documentary that's on the Criterion channel. Uh, boy, boy, um, that one's the toughest for sure of, of the lot to watch. Uh, gleaners are, are people who basically, you know, scrounge and take up what we don't consume. So they'll go to trash cans and different places to get food and whatnot. And there's people who are like willing and able to do this you know it's not like forced upon them they're not they're, they don't call themselves homeless that's why she made the documentary it was like these people choose to do this because there's so much that goes to waste um one of my favorite bits of the movie is where they show this guy who has like has a full-time job he just does it because he's so sick of seeing people throw food away and waste food he goes around and you know goes to trash cans and goes in different places goes to restaurants who are like put things in fucking big cardboard boxes and put in the alleyway like Whoever wants to take it can take it. He's like, why? What? Why would I let that just go by? Really interesting, really thought provoking. And Agnes Varda is an absolute mastermind and has some of the most most incredible um, uh, docs that I've seen. That one in Black Panthers. Those two are like, oh my god, just they'll change the way you think about stuff for sure. I love that. Uh, and then I watched last two. Billy Elliot, directed by Stephen Daldry. Uh, that movie was up for best director at the Oscars. And I was like, well, I'm seeing all the best picture ones and four, the, four of the best director movies are in that group. So I was like, let's just go ahead and knock out that last one. I ended up really liking it. This is a, this is a good fucking movie. Made, made, me, made me cry, made me feel good. It's Jamie Bell's um, performance that got him in, you know, in the door and, and he's, he's great in it. Just a lovely, lovely film. Um, really cool time capsule again of, you know, like 1984. And uh, I, I, I enjoyed enjoyed everything about that one last one yee yee the best one of all of these by by a fucking mile um woof this is this is one of those one of those movies that was like an instant 10 and i knew it and i was like while i was watching it i was like jesus christ this is like made for me to watch uh directed by edward yang uh, i have my eyes open and my ears open to be watching more of his stuff he does not fuck around a lot of his movies are three hours plus he's he's very much like i will take my time it'll be worth it in the long run it took me a couple sittings to watch it just because yeah it's this movie it's three hours but man so worth it (laughs) i just couldn't believe some of the stuff that was happening in that movie i couldn't believe how just raw and authentic and and beautiful and and dark it was just reminded me of like like when i first watched magnolia you know those movies that just speak to you about the complexity and the simplicity at the same time of people, the things that we go through around the world are sometimes more relatable than we think. Uh, you think these people that live in Taipei, all oh, you know, nothing that they're going to go through is same to me when in fact it's, it's, it's the same exact drama that, that we deal with here in our own families. And 
the last the last fucking like two minutes of the movie just like tore me to pieces and i was like yeah this is a 10 this is a fucking 10 this is a perfect movie i wish so badly we could do it on oscar sunday but it's unfortunately edward yang did not get did not get any love um he, he died shortly after this movie this is his last film so that sucks, but I, I I don't really care. I'll keep watching his stuff. A lot of his shits on Criterion, and I'm 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 here for it. I'm ready for it. And that yeah, that movie had the biggest impact on me of all of these. Um, so it's been it's been fun, man. I love diving into a year and just tackling it head on, you know, and finding out what I've missed, and also rewatching things to see just kind of over. It's these movies are 22 years old, almost as old as we are, and uh, just by just you know younger than us by five years and i love doing that i love finding the new stuff the gems that i haven't seen and also going back and checking out stuff like gladiator and and fucking x-men and kind of re rekindling that flame you know and and that's one of my greatest joys in, in doing these shows is being given the chance giving getting the chance to do that is one of my greatest joys i like that strategy a lot uh especially for the showdowns kind of exploring the year in film and like watching stuff that's considered the best of that year and just kind of having a more well-rounded sense of that year. I think I'm going to start doing that for the showdowns as well. I, yeah, it's, it's hard. You know, I, I set up, I remember telling you that I was like, I'm setting out to watch at least like 10 movies and I watched 12, I watched 12 movies from 2000, including the best picture, you know, nominees. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll do it again. You know, I'll fucking, uh, especially with these showdowns, I'll, I'll continue to do it. Um, our next showdown, I'm pretty well versed in that year, <laughs> mm-hmm. as as are you, because it's a more recent one. But um, I still, I'll, there's still stuff we've missed. You know, you, there's always gems that you just gotta look. You gotta look under the rocks, look under the leaves, and yeah. fucking find them. You know, they're they're there. And with all these streaming services, yeah. why wouldn't I? I know for a fact there's a lot. There's a lot of films from that year that I either deliberately didn't see because at the time I didn't care or just missed so i have some stuff in mind that i do want to check out from that year and that that'll be really fun yeah i can't wait can't wait i anticipate that being one of our best showdowns uh that we've we've ever done so but we got a good one here today like so stoked so gladiator i want to dive in you know we've obviously talked a little bit about what it means to us and he gets three nominations in a row uh, 1999, 2000, and 2001 becomes a becomes a superstar, and never really repeated that. He's been, you know, he's he's Russell Crowe. Everybody knows who he is, but yeah. he never repeated that same. Uh, definitely, as far as the Oscars go, but he he's done some films that are like really like interesting, interesting choice. You know, like there's there's like the 2009 like State of Play, 2010 he does like a some movie called like three days or some shit. He does some like weird, like thriller movies that I like, but they're not in the, you know, they're not in the conversation, you know? Well, he, he quickly got a rep for being a bit of a volatile personality. And, yeah. uh, you know, people started to not want to work with him and he started, you know, attacking photographers and yelling at fans. And that just, that, that turns you into a bit of a bit of a pariah. And while he, he never really like lost everything, I think he, he never really, he, he peaked basically. Yeah. Yeah. 
and that sucks. And like I love like you know three ten to Yuma for instance. I think it's one of his best. Oh movies. yeah, oh yeah. But it it's not Gladiator, <laughs> and he's he never got Gladiator again. No, and and again, I'm gonna bring up Thor again. What is he doing in that movie? What is he doing? I I think I might have been too easy on on Thor: Love and Thunder. I'm, I got to reevaluate some recent Marvel watches because it. It gets in my head like, oh, it's Marvel. You love this, so enjoy. When I don't <laughs> actually evaluate the film, I'm just like, ah, just like a child at story time. So I've got to, I got to do that again. <laughs> yeah, you should, you should talk to Brianna because you know she's a much bigger Marvel fan than I am, and she, you know, she like goes to bat for these movies. You know, that like the the Iron Man's and the you know Winter Soldiers and those ones. When we watched Thor, she was like, what the fuck are we doing? Like. <laughs> even she was like we both were like Whoa. i mean i i'm like i'm skeptical anyway you know i'm skeptical because i'm like where are we going ever since endgame i'm very confused on like what the point of all this stuff is and even she this time was like okay like we we need something to like reset this like there something's got to give because spider-man was great right spider-man like did did what we wanted it to do and i don't think anybody was like fuck that movie everybody was yeah that was fun that was good but this Thor movie, I was like, whoa, man, like, like, Ragnarok was funny. This was like, let's take that and just, just fucking just run with it and not do anything serious. Let's just be funny the whole time. Yeah. Unless Christian Bale's on the screen and Christian Bale was like, I'm going to fucking kill children. So it was like this, it was these two opposite ends of the spectrum where I was like, what is the tone of this movie? Like, wh- like wh- what exactly is going on? I like Taika, right? He's, I don't, I think he's a little overrated. Like, I don't think he's quite done enough to be like, to be at the stature that he is with people, with fans. But this was like a, whoa, dude, pump the brakes, my man. Like, what are you doing here? And I, I don't know. I mean, I, the Doctor Strange one, I get the kind of divisive. I get why some people really like it. I get why some people don't. This Thor movie, I'm like, ah, this is bad. This is, this is, this is a miss. I find it interesting that personally, I mean, apart from Endgame and uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, I haven't rewatched anything post-2019. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, I could easily. I don't. Yeah, they're all all (laughs) right there. They're at your, and and, you know, I think a big part of that, because we haven't done that either. And when Brown and I first were, were dating, we would go back and we'd watch, you know, random one-off, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy or, or whatever. You know what I mean? They're, it's a fun, it's a fun one-off ride. Like, it's, those are fun. That like, that like 2012 to 2019 stretch for Marvel is like, these are fun. These are fucking good. And, I, and I'm, I'm not like the biggest fan, but I, I had a good time. You know, I had a good time with those movies. Now it's like, you got to do a lot of work. You got to watch a lot of TV shows. You got to, you got to really be in the know to be in the know. It used to be like, Hey, you got to see a movie every six months and you're good. And now it's not that it's not that anymore. I'm also worried about, uh, now that they've got like endless brand recognition, they don't have to try that hard with content. And that's worrying me because some of these projects are just not holding up. Yeah. I'm wondering, like, they yeah. know people are going to see it. They know people are going to watch it. So, like, do they have to really bring their A game anymore? Not really. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. I mean, they did their time <laughs> and they gave us in game. You know, they gave us Infinity War and in game, which were like, uh, yeah, 
yeah. you know, hats off. That was like one of the best one, two bang, bang monumental, you know, movies of all time. So like, I kind of get it, but there's also like integrity to uphold <laughs> and, and, and legacy hundred years from now. What do you want people to see this as, you know, this is Disney. They left integrity in a sweatshop yeah. a long time ago. So sad. So sad. I'm with you on, on legacy though. I'm, I'm still going to watch this stuff. I'm still going to watch the shows, the movies. I'm still going to keep up, but I am starting to learn to manage my expectations. That's fair. That's fair. You know, you're a fan. You want you want to know what's going on, but there 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 is that. Hey, hey, they have they have done some stuff recently that isn't as good as what I, what I want it to be. So, yeah, leveling your expectations is is a good thing. I've done that. I've been doing that since Endgame. Uh, since because I had a feeling was, there's no way they can. They're losing these people. You know, like Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans. Like these people are why. Yeah they become such iconic characters uh, in the 21st century. When those people are gone, it, you take, it takes a toll. It takes a major toll. And I like Chris Hemsworth. I like Chris Pratt, but like they're better as like side people and like Robert Downey and Chris Evans, like those guys were, they're perfectly cast. Yeah. It's a shame. God bless. God bless Chris Evans. That, (laughs) <laughs> Those Captain America movies kick ass, you know, and I just I have a hard time seeing that happening again. But you never know. You never know. I mean, things could turn around. You they, they're talking about once they get through this phase, you know, there'll be there'll be stuff to look forward to. And it's like, OK, I mean, see, that's that's pr- prove it. Prove it. Prove us wrong. <laughs> right. There's the problem. Like once we get through this, you can get excited again. Like, no, I want to be yeah. excited about this. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because it is because it, it is the movie industry without these movies, you know, the theater would fail you know uh, you have to have you know the, the only movie that's like people have gone to see is top gun maverick you know <laughs> like you need these marvel movies to keep that shit afloat and you want them to also be good yeah. is that is that too much to ask all because oh, we, we started this all because of russell crowe as fucking zeus in as like Thor, a, Love and a loaded weird zeus that had like three minutes of screen time <laughs> Yeah, just bad. Just like page, obviously a paycheck gig, and, and 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 that's not where you want to see Russell Crowe. He's like 50, 50 so, He was born in nineteen sixty four, so he's like fifty eight years old. Like, dude, you can still try. You know, <laughs> you know. I mean, I mean, like, come on, man. And, and that stretch, that stretch from the early two thousands. I would even throw, you know, throw in before that, like L.A. Confidential. You know, like, dude, he was the man. Like Russell Crowe was the man, so I, it's it sucks. But Gladiator will forever be his his movie. That'll be his apex. Well, he he said himself that it's his favorite movie he's ever done. So I mean, maybe he thinks he'll never get anything better. Maybe it's a psychological thing. Yikes! <laughs> yeah, l- listen to this. You got. Let's start with L.A. Confidential, nineteen ninety seven. He does the Insider, nineteen ninety nine. Uh, we we love that movie here. Uh, Gladiator. Beautiful Mind, Master and Commander, Cinderella Man, Three Ten to Yuma, American Gangster. Like, fuck yeah, dude! That was like that was awesome. Uh, I think he starts to kind of take a turn here. You know, uh, the the next three days, Robin Hood, State of Play. Uh, he's in Lame Is. Um, yeah, Javert, Broken City, Winter's Tale, Noah. That movie that didn't do very well. I like him in The Nice Guys. Thought he was good in that. Oh, yeah, that was good. Um, yeah. That's he was good in Boy Erased. He's he's good in that one. Unhinged, yeah. Just just a weird weird run. 
I will go to bat for Unhinged. I like, I like Unhinged. I like Unhinged too. That was fun. Yeah. I liked I liked the promo where he's like, "Go to the theater. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you must go. This is not going to be on streaming." That was my return to the movies. Like I went to uh, Embassy with my cousin Ryan. I hadn't been in the movies in like eight months. I was having withdrawal, <laughs> and I went there and I was like, "Oh, I, it's it's still here." <laughs> like I was yeah. so happy. Uh, <laughs> I didn't so care great. what I was seeing. I was just happy to be there. But yeah. then the movie was cool. It was like, you know, the hitcher with a little road rage, a little more road rage. Good. Love it. Yeah. Love, love that shit. Yeah. Interesting career for him. But uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's dive into Gladiator. Let's talk about his, his movie. Um, we're going to, we're going to do the awards right off the bat here so we can just get that off our chest. Cause I know we both have a lot of, a lot of cool shit to say about this movie. So we'll do the, uh, the Quentin Tarantino award for the best quote, the Ennio Morricone award for the best music moment. You got that jaw-dropping Hans Zimmer score. Uh, the Philip Zimmer Hoffman Award for Best Performance. There's there's some guys. There's some people here. Uh, the Roger Deakins Award, finally, for the best scene of the movie, which also, there's a, there's a lot of scenes that are really good, really powerful. Uh, you, you, there's not really a lull in this movie. It's kind of all necessary. There's no, like, fat, even though it's a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Yeah. Uh, so I'll let you take it away with your Tarantino when you're ready. Oh, this, this script is so tight and apparently it was shit the first draft like crow said no <laughs> yeah uh, apparently a bunch of actors were like nah i'm good you gotta you gotta figure this out really scott's like oh shit <laughs> yeah they fixed it they made it tight and solid and the rest is history yeah uh, this line comes from proximo oliver reed's final performance yes it's right before the first uh bout when he's kind of pepping his his gladiators up and he tells them, ultimately, we're all dead men. Sadly, we cannot choose how, but what we can decide is how we meet that end in order that we are remembered as men. Yes. Oh, yeah, I would. I'd, I'd, I'd follow that guy in a battle. God damn. Yeah, me, me too. <laughs> You're I all going to die, but how are you going to die? <laughs> yes. Yeah. On your feet, yeah. god damn it. <laughs> yeah, he gives, he gives you that glimmer of... of uh, this is what people will potentially remember you by. Are you going to, are you going to be a coward or are you going to step in and, and, you know, put your best foot forward quite literally and, and fight uh, like that's awesome. Are you going to die a slave or are you going to die a warrior? Like, hell yeah. Give me a sword. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oliver Reed has a lot of those moments where he's just spouting crazy ass old guy wisdom. And I, I love that. My favorite bit from 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 Oliver Reed is when he him and him and Maximus him and him and also Crow are talking about like basically partnering like all right you're like good at this it's it's as if like Phil Jackson the coach of the Bulls looked at Michael Jordan was like are you ready like are you ready to to, to fucking destroy the competition and they have that moment of like we're gonna go to Rome we're gonna do this thing and he's like wait till you see the fifty thousand people lined up to watch you. And then when Russell Crowe walks out of the room, he just puts his hands. <laughs> such a good, good fucking shot. I have always thought that was so funny, but also like just such a huge moment in the movie where they, they decide like, let's do this. Let's do this like a coach and player thing. Like we can be a team here. Like you can help me with the, you know, the X's and O's and I'll go out there and I'll, I'll fuck shit up. One of those like kind of bittersweet moments too. Cause Proximo is like, you know, Oh, you're the best. I was the best. Yeah. yeah. I for the emperor. I own, I won the crowd. It, like this can be your time, but 
you know, you will be me one day. Just remember yeah. that. Win the crowd, win your freedom. <laughs> so good. Yeah, there there are endless quotes to choose from. You know, there's one-liners that are great from, especially from Maximus. There's little, 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 like not even little, long. You know, uh, bits from from Joaquin Phoenix where you're like, "Busy little bee," <laughs> you know, just fucking slimy bastard. Uh, I chose a, a bit of dialogue between both of them, Commodus and Maximus, and it's of course. The time when Maximus takes off his mask and you get the twist of Commodus being like, oh, fuck, he's not dead. <laughs> you know? uh, so Maximus completely annihilates the competition. He leads his team to victory. Uh, again, you know, it's like the barbarian horde moment of, of the movie, that first big fight at the Coliseum. And, and he's fucking slinging his sword around and, and Joaquin's like, duh, 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 you know, I love the shots between them two. You know, you're watching... Russ dominate, and you're watching Joaquin wish he was Russ. Uh, it's really, really good stuff. But when this all happens, Commodus is like, I want to go meet him. You know, I'm going to go down. I'm going to go down in the Coliseum. I'm going to meet this guy. And everybody's, you know, gets down because, you know, your highness or whatever. He's, he's the fucking emperor. And Commodus says, rise, rise. Maximus stands up, clinching an arrowhead in his right hand, right hand, which is such a cool touch because he's like, I'm going to fucking do it now. <laughs> I'm going to fucking slice his throat. Uh, and then Commodus says, your fame is well-deserved, Spaniard. I don't think there's ever been a gladiator to match you. As for this young man, he insists that you are Hector Reborn, or is it Hercules? Why doesn't the hero reveal himself and tell us your real name? You do have a name, don't you? My name is Gladiator. <laughs> such a sick fucking line and he turns away from Commodus and starts walking and Commodus says how dare you show your back to me slave you will remove your helmet and tell me your name Maximus removes his helmet turns around to face Commodus my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius commander of the armies of the north general of the Felix legions and loyal servant to the true emperor Marcus Aurelius father to a murdered son husband to a murdered wife and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next and Commodus is like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he's, he's alive. I sent four bastards to go kill him. And he was like handcuffed. Like, <laughs> how is this guy still alive? Oh, that's such a great moment. Because the reason he doesn't kill Commodus right there is because of the little boy. The little boy gets in front of him and he's like, oh, fuck. You know, I can't, I can't kill the kid. You know, this is between me and him. And so you get the next hour and a half of the movie. This build up and build up and build up to finally the finale, which is just so epic. <laughs> yeah that is that is quite a scene and just super memorable and uh i will have more to say yeah, yeah it's it's <laughs> one of the best scenes of the movie uh i just i've always been obsessed with one of the first movie names movie character names i remember is, is maximus decimus meridius because of that moment and when he said you know commander of the armies of the north general of the felix legions and loyal servant to the true emperor is like such a cool moment, such a shout out to Richard Harris, his character of Marcus. Like, it's such a beautiful but dark moment. It's so awesome and brilliant movie making. So, I, I, I love it. Um, the Ennio Morricone, Hans Zimmer, this is a banger. This is a great, great score. And it's got, it's got a lot of range to it. You got some really intense, you know, battle type, type music. And then you got the, you know, Elysium and now we are free, you know, like really soft, light, lovely, inspiring music. So what'd you go with? 
I went with uh, some more of like more of the battle themed stuff. Um, found out that a good chunk of that was repurposed for the Pirates of the Caribbean score, which is hilarious. You, when you told you, me that yeah. one of your brothers had the pirate pick the pirates poster, yep. like, <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, um, you can you can tell you're like, yeah. oh yeah, this is yeah. I had a moment of like, wait a minute. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> oh, hold on. <laughs> I went with um after the scene where Maximus reveals himself, he goes back down into the pit, and the gladiators are cheering his name. And the music is, you know, swelling. It's uproarious. It's like hopeful. And he's a general again for just a fleeting moment. Mm. Once again, he like he has he commands respect as easy as he fucking breathes. It's it's really amazing to for the character. And at that moment, you think like he's going to pull this off. This guy's going to rule Rome. And in a way, yeah. he does. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does. He, he gets his, you know, and this life or the next. <laughs> he gets his in this life. Uh, it's, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like, just, it, it's almost like he's like right there. It's almost like he's walking in like prison, and all these people are like, "That's our guy. That's our fucking dude right there." You know, that, that's fucking Andy Dufresne right there. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like one of those moments where like we are, we have his back because he's the fucking man, and he has the knowledge and the experience to take on any of you. And it's like. God, so cool. In that moment, all of Rome's most influential and every slave in the Colosseum just watched a fellow slave turn his back on the emperor and then threaten him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how do you not back that guy up? Yeah, the savior of Rome. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, oh, man. So good. This movie rules. <laughs> uh, I also chose kind of like a an intense like big like awesome piece of score called called barbarian horde and it's like a 10 minute 10 minute bit of score where it it starts out when they get to the coliseum and you have that like you have that like helicopter shot of the coliseum and you're like oh that looks fucking sick and then it goes into the battle you know and so barbarian horde is what's playing when he's like has anyone been in the army this will work if we stick together you know if we work together and he and and the people who don't stick together they die instantly and all the the other people when he's like hold they put their fucking shields down you know and the chariots go by and they they fucking beat those bastards you know it's so cool like and that that bit of score especially the moment where you go above the coliseum and you see it from a bird's eye view of just how the spectacle and how big and grand it is it's the same as a massive football stadium here in the United States. It's the same thing. People watching each other fucking take each other's heads off. But back then it was literally taking each other's heads off. My favorite moment of that whole scene is when Maximus tells his fellow gladiators, has anyone here been in the army? And one of the guys is like, yes, I served under you once. Like he knows who he is. He recognized Maximus immediately. And he just said nothing because of his fucking loyalty. Until yep. it became relevant, and he's like, "Okay, Maximus needs me now." It's like, fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one, no one's listening except for fellow fellow slaves, you know. And yeah. like that, ah, that was a cool moment. I love his, I love his friendship that kind of blossoms with these different guys, you know, the respect that they have. It's like that's ah, so fucking cool. Uh, uh, all right, <laughs> that, that's perfect. I love that score. We we both picked things that I love. Uh, Philip Summer Hoffman Award. Who, who wins this movie as far as performance goes? This was insanely difficult. Yeah. Oh, this movie is chock full of incredible performances, memorable, career-defining performances for some of these guys. And 
I, I just, I was, I had to go with my, with my gut as I always do. I gave this to Oliver Reed. Oh, I love it. Proximo. Proximo. His final performance, he was lit off his fucking ass every single day of production. He, he died after a heart attack, like from a heart attack brought on by like the most insane bender I've ever heard of. Drank like 20 bottles of various liquors and challenged a bunch of sailors to an arm wrestling contest. The next day he was dead. But in all that, he finds this humanizing, powerful swan song of a performance of a man who was once Rome's greatest warrior mm. in his eyes, maybe not to everybody, but to him, he was the greatest. And now he's an old man guiding others to a, a life and career that he can no longer participate in. And he, there's this, just this sense of, you know, shame about him because he's, he can't do it himself. And, you know, the, he ultimately does the right thing and, you know, sides with Maximus, but you kind of don't know what side he's leaning the whole movie. And I know yeah. they had to really cut that up because of his death. I need a much bigger uh, presence in the second half of the film, but you know, they had to do what they had to do. But even with that, there's like his specter is like looming over the second half of the film. He's like, he's still there. Like, it's almost like he's holding Maximus's hand with the sword as he's stabbing Commodus in the fucking neck. <laughs> And I just, you know, you, I, I've learned to, I've, I've come uh, to really appreciate Oliver Reed over the course of all these shows. He's a guy who mm. I've really been paying attention to, and just knowing what he's capable of and seeing what he was able to muster in his last days is quite amazing and memorable. And he's, he's the fucking man. He was a wild drunk, but when he went to work, he worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a guy. That's such a good pick. Uh... Born born uh, in London in 1938, died in 1999 while filming uh, at, at age 61. So he's not, you know, he's not super old, right? He, he's, he just, he just had his demons. <laughs> I, I found a book um, at Half Price Books. I can't wait to read. It's called Hellbenders. And it's the story of the wild and crazy years, like formative years of Oliver Reed, Richard Harris, Peter O'Toole, and Richard Burton, who all hung out in London in the sixties and just drank their way through the city while become, while learning how to act. God, I love that. Oh, it's crazy. And you know, Oliver Reed and Richard Harris were reunited in this movie, which is really cool. So I wonder if they, you know, just hang, like hang out for a little bit and like reminisce about the stuff they hopefully still remembered. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. The thing I remember most about Oliver Reed is, is him and the brood. Uh, as the doctor, just a brutal, brutal, brutal movie. And he, he's fucking great in that. Uh, he's an Oliver, of course, the best picture winner, 1968. So he, this wasn't his first time being like a big role in a best picture winner. My mom told me that uh, she watched Oliver when she was a kid and Oliver Reed in that movie scared her so bad. She still has a bit of a flinch just looking at Oliver Reed. Like he scares her. <laughs> That's awesome i mean that's not you know it sucks that well that's awesome that he had that kind of power yeah that's awesome um have you ever seen tommy i have that's another one i was gonna point out he's in that one as well yeah what a weird film but if you ever want to see oliver reed sing his heart out to who songs that's the movie (laughs) yeah so that's that's right up our alley (laughs) 
and, and, and Richard Harris, right? You know, he he's he's a guy who does this. Uh, he does, you know, Harry Potter. Obviously, he does the Count of Monte Cristo, and then and he's gone. Yeah, this was his. You know, this final one of his, the beginning of his final four. Incredible. Yeah, crazy stuff. He he died when he was just seventy two. So yeah, these guys weren't like crazy old. They just a lot of miles. When I uh, when I was watching this, when I was hearing you know Marcus Aurelius just wax poetic about Rome, Richard Harris, his voice is like a gentle wind, just caressing you. You just feel comfortable hearing him talk. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and 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 with this movie with Gladiator, it's like I don't give a fuck. Uh, like if anybody's doing the right accent. If I like the accent, cool, you know? It, it's not trying to be super historically accurate. It's, it's a fiction, you know? It's it's a fictional story, and it's just movie making. Yeah. You know, besides, if, if you watch enough American epics and American films, you just understand that, like, the language of ancient Europe and, like, medieval fantasy is just, you know, British. <laughs> it's just, yeah. You just accept yeah. that. It's just, that's just, just how it's going to be. <laughs> it's just... Which is hilarious. Oh, well, I, I love that. I love that you chose Oliver Reed. That's like a unique, really cool. You put a lot of thought into that. I didn't put much thought into it. Russell Crowe carries the fucking movie and is in it every goddamn frame. And he's great. And it's one of the first movie star performances I fell in love with as a kid. Hard to take it away from him. But I love that you like put <laughs> put genuine thought into the award. I mean, Joaquin, Joaquin could win it too, right? He He's such a slimy bastard. Such a good good villain that isn't this imposing monster he's he's kind of like the joker where he's like got this got this weird amount of power has 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 kind of like a a a strategic mind and he's willing to kind of do things to people that no one else will and and like there's something special about that uh about that kind of villain And, and joaquin is obviously so good at it He's like a walking wet willy. He's just yeah. cringe and ugh, every time you see him, everything he says when he's trying to feel up his sister and just this nasty human being who is capable of anything and is the most powerful man on earth. Yeah. Give us a kiss. <laughs> it's like, ugh, you fucking yeah. creepy ass fucker. Yeah. Yet the only man who's ever stood up to him is Maximus. And he fucking hates that so much. But he wants to be Maximus. It's, you know, the Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. My favorite line in that movie is, you know, I'm not supposed to want to be you. And that mm. is what this is. It's he's, you know, he's the heir to the throne of, of Rome. But he's jealous of a of a general with no stature beyond what Marcus Aurelius grants him. Yeah. His own father. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a brilliant, brilliant story. And one that's going to be told forever. You know, just that that jealousy trait that that Commodus has is, is something we'll see in villains forever. I read that Jack Gleason who played Joffrey on game of Thrones used Commodus as his like reference point. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Bastard to a bastard. <laughs> but you are right. This is Crow's film and he is just epic. He's brooding and also very reflective and constantly calculating. He's, he commands this insane level of just, you know, presence and loyalty and you just want to see him fuck Commodus up you're waiting for that the whole movie and you boy do you get it but uh it's yeah yeah, he's he's the man I'm glad Mel Gibson turned this down (laughs) 
straight up, dude. Yeah, cause, yeah, because Russell Crowe this time is not even forty years old yet, so it's like the perfect time to like pick someone who's good but hasn't quite just shot off into a different stratosphere. This was this was this was it. They gave him the opportunity, he fucking took it and ran, and you know, <laughs> he hasn't done anything as good as good as it since. Well, also, what a great! I always think about this when you've got like you know newcomer well, not newcomers but like the newest generation of stars acting with like the previous generation stars and in this case russell crowe got kind of a you know master class from richard harris and oliver reed which is really fucking cool yeah and joaquin you know as well and i wonder if they just you know sat in awe watching these guys work because that's what i would do i me too and i'm sure i know I, i've heard joaquin especially him talk about like that is that that is the craft is watching someone else who's better than you and has done it for a long time do it like actually do it and then you like just you just carry it with you it's like little puzzle pieces you collect and then you know of course Joaquin now is looked at as one of the best actors we have 22 years later so and I I, there's no argument here for that I love Joaquin and I, I love that this is one of those movies that led him to where he's at I wonder if he you know kind of took anything from Richard Harris and just held on to that. And that might've influenced, you know, performances down the road. I think yeah. about that a lot with actors. It's like, what do yeah, they do co-workers and what, how do they add that into their craft? And when does that come out? It's such a constantly evolving process and it's different for everybody who takes it up. Yeah. God, God that's one of my favorite things. Um, I think I was talking to you recently about um, that Mark Marin, Andrew Garfield uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Andrew Mark Maron's like, so who like who's pushed you or whatever? And he, you know, he, you could always say the like, oh, you know, Robert De Niro and the, this guy and this guy and this guy. But he said he was like in a class one time with Ryan Gosling, and he was like, Ryan Gosling was fucking going for it, like he was doing this stuff that no one else in, the, in like this class was doing. He's like, and he was like, he didn't give a shit what anybody thought. He was just like, fuck it, like I'm just even if it doesn't work, I'm just gonna fucking go there as far and as fast as I can. And Andrew's like, I've taken that with me. And now like, he's become a good friend because of that moment, you know? And it's like, I wonder, I, I want to hear more stories like that from different actors. Like you said, you know, like, like, like for, for, from Joaquin to Russell Crowe to Denzel to like all these, you know, Tom Hanks, these different guys who have worked with so many people. Like what, what's the piece from each of these people that you take, you know, yeah. what did, what did Tom Hanks take from Paul Newman? You know, we're doing road to predict. You know what I mean? Like those yeah. little things. Like what? What is it? You know, <laughs> like like what is it? Or, or even if even if it's not like I'm gonna steal that. Like, what's the thing you adore? You know, what's the adoration you have for for them most? I I love actors for that for that reason. Like you said, it's this ever evolving just just craft that will never get old to me. There's so few professions where you have to almost abandon who you are to do it like as well as most people can and i admire anybody who can you know be that artistic and find their way back <laughs> i totally agree i think that's a big reason why we both are doing what we're doing <laughs> yes yeah is, is that the performance side of this stuff is so cool um all right so you got oliver reed i got russell crowe good shit good conversation what about the roger deakins award what's the best scene of the movie it is it is the scene where Maximus reveals himself to Commodus and yeah, so good and all of Rome. And it's not, it's, it's not so much Maximus's reaction to this. It's Commodus. He says nothing, but he is 
fucking angry and terrified because he's making him like he's making Commodus look like a bitch in front of the entire city. Yeah. And he just sits there quivering like he's about to cry. He wants to kill him, but the crowd like he will lose Rome if he kills Maximus. He knows that. And there's just you can see all of these decisions. You know, he's weighing everything in his head as as he's just glaring at the man that his father considered more of a son than he did. <laughs> Amazing. It's so great. And then he just turns around and walks away and Maximus wins the day and wins the crowd. And in that moment, Commodus loses control over Rome. It's, it's a wonderful turning point in the movie and just sets up an epic finale. Yeah, truly, which is my Deacons, the finale. Ah. <laughs> uh, man, that, that, the last 10, 10 minutes is, is something something else. Uh, when he stabs him in the lung and he's like, um, put, you know, put the armor on to cover it, you know? Yeah. He's just like, yeah, of course you would, communist. Like, that's your, your fucking bitch. That's like what you would do. Uh, and and I, love, I love the line from Maximus to him is, you think I'm, you know, communist is like, you think I'm afraid? He's like, I think you've been afraid your whole life. <laughs> I love the way Maximus looks at him like I've already like I've beat you. You're you're a punk. You're a punk ass bitch. My dad liked you. <laughs> your, your dad liked me more than you. You don't do anything. You've never fought a day in your life. You've never worked a day in your life. You're just a guy who got handed everything because you killed your own father. You know, and I'm not going to stoop to your level. I'm just going to make fun of you by doing little little passive aggressive quotes. I love that. I love, of course, when he turns the knife around on him and stabs him in the throat and, and, and everybody's like, holy shit, the emperor's dead. And he becomes the emperor for 20 seconds. Yeah. And he says like, bam, 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 do this, do this, do this, free my people. Like the Rome should be given back, you know, Rome should be given back to its people. I'm allowing you to, to make those decisions now. Um, and he, you know, he, he has the moment where he gets to go to the afterlife and gets to be with his, his wife and his son again. Mm. And the song that's playing is called Elysium. And one of my favorite little like bits of that, that callback is at the very beginning of the movie, the first battle he tells all of his, you know, he's, he's a general, he's on the horse and he tells all of them, if you're walking in a green field, you're already dead. You know, you're in Elysium, like you're already dead. So it's going to be okay. If you know, like that happens, you got to go out there and you got to fight. So when the, the song Elysium plays as he's going to the afterlife and he gets to see his beautiful wife and son again, it is just like such an amazing moment. I'm not quite sure if that happens to us. You know, I don't know if we go to an afterlife. I'm, I don't know. But if someone were to get what they wanted when they die, it'd be someone like Maximus. Not me, not, you know, fucking anybody on the street. Maximus is the man. He led people. He did things the right way. He deserves to have an afterlife and be able to see the people he loved, you know? And, like, that's such a beautiful moment, you know? Uh, that's, that's the movie, right? Is him going back to take, take away the fucker that took away his, his shit, you know? Um, such a brilliant moment, and... I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget the touch of uh, when his eyes are closed and the camera, you know, the way the camera does this kind of fading in and out uh, where he's kind of floating, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just beautiful. Just great stuff. I, the whole movie, I was kind of like the Deacons is op- open. 
there's a lot of stuff I like in this movie. The D, the first battle is awesome. Like it's really, really good. Gets you, gets you right where you need to be for the movie. But once the movie ended, I was like, yeah, that's just such a touching, beautiful moment. That's also kind of badass because he because he kills Commodus. You know, he does it. He kills him fair and square. Not even fair and square. He has a bust busted up a lung. So hats off to Maximus. Yeah, he beats the odds. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. That moment when he says, "You know, I've been a you've been afraid your whole life." I love like you said all of that condensed into that statement, and the whole the audience knows like it recognizes all of that. So yeah. much doesn't need to be said between these two guys. It's just a palpable hatred. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy, and yeah, the ending is one I love when the people pick up Maximus and like carry him away oh. while Commodus's body is just over there, <laughs> crumpled in the corner, and nobody gives a shit. <laughs> such a such a good good touch. Yeah, and 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 then, and then after that, of course, you have uh, Juba, Jimon Hansao come. He comes back. You know, and he's like he he buries the two little uh like little statue little figurines of his of his wife and his and his son like buries it in the Colosseum like oh man <laughs> oh that was so fucking cool <laughs> it's just it's just filmmaking you know it's just that magical stuff that you you only can get from this kind of storytelling oh, beautiful yeah great pick great pick I would have also um. I considered Maximus's uh, first fight as a gladiator where he, you know, throws the sword out of anger. You know, that are you not entertained? That old. Yeah. Just fucking awesome. Is this not why you are here? <laughs> Spaniard, Spaniard. Yeah. yeah. It's such a sick fucking moment. Uh, I, I love, I love so much of this movie. I love so many moments that just, they're so touching and so, so brilliant. And then also really badass. you know, it's just, just awesome. Great two and a half hours. You can't, you can't go wrong. You always take away some, I always take away something new from this movie. You know, some kind of life lessons, some kind of moral thing. And with this watch, it was get everything important in writing. Mm. Marcus Aurelius telling Maximus in private, I want you to rule Rome in my stead with no witnesses, with no senators, no soldiers, nobody seeing that. And then him telling Commodus, I'm taking away your inheritance. Again, in private, <laughs> to his psycho son, he knows is a monster. Like, Marcus, like, you are the emperor of Rome. You should be smarter than this. <laughs> I 100% agree. That's a great, that's a great point. Uh, yeah, because he, he literally dies that night. <laughs> Verbal yeah. contracts do not exist unless there are witnesses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That's so, that's so true. Um, I love uh, I love the stuff with his uh, what's his buddy's name C- Cicero, the oh, guy Cicero. who yeah Cicero the guy who gets gets killed towards the end when he's like escaping. Uh, man, that that character fucking rules. When he sees Matt, he's like Maximus, like you know, like I- I'm right here, and he's like, oh, that's like my old friend, but he can't freak out. And he's like, I got to keep walking, and he's like, meet me up here, dude. Like let's <laughs> let's talk this out. It's it's just a good methodical bit of the movie. I, I love that character. I really liked Gracchus. Uh, yeah, like yeah. The great thespian Derek Jacoby, who just we, we we need him. Yeah. Oh, I love that he's just you know when when the emperor is giving his first like you know senate meeting and Gracchus keeps calling him on shit like have you ever hugged anybody with the plague? Like, tell us you know with your wide experience like just needling him and I'm like dude how do you get your toga on over those giant balls like why would you yeah. do this? Yeah, <laughs> he's great. 
Yeah, he was great. He was he was the one guy who was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll step to this fucker." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's he gonna do? You know, uh, <laughs> so good. Yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of great moments in this movie, man. There's a there's a reason we're this excited, and quite frankly, there's a reason it won Best Picture. So let's talk about that group, that group of films. Um, we 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 got five of them. We got you know, of course, Gladiator. We got the two Soderbergh films, Traffic and Aaron Brockovich. We have the Ang Lee uh, foreign film, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And we have Shakala. <laughs> I think I think I know where that is for both of us. <laughs> you are correct. Number five is Chocolat. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> However, I do want to say I did enjoy this movie. I all five I enjoyed. Uh, this just isn't nearly as strong as the other four. And it is a weird pick for best picture. It's about just insufferable French people who can't enjoy chocolate because God said no. <laughs> and I don't really find a lot of investment in that. Uh, the performances are fine. Alfred Molina is a super prick in this film. Yeah. He never really gets his, which is upsetting. I hate when... A bad guy doesn't get some sort of comeuppance. Um, I, I, I hate I, this. This movie's fine. I think I, I think I, I think I gave it a seven or, or you know three and a half stars on on Letterbox. On its on its own, whatever. But yeah, best picture, no way. I I, I fucking hate the scene with Alfred Molina like getting redemption, where he's like. Just starts fucking scarfing the chocolate like he's fucking Squidward with the Krabby Patties. Like, what? What is? The, what the fuck am I watching? And I love Alfred Molina, you know. And this is yeah. this is peak Alfred Molina. This is when he was the fucking man at this time. And I'm like, why use him that way? Why put him in that childish fucking scene? And then, and, and then they come in the shop and they're like, oh look, he likes chocolate too. Like, let. Let's bring him in and, and hold hands and everything's fine. You know, I'm just like, I, I feel like this cast was under you, like undervalued. This, this cast could have made a fucking amazing movie. Yeah. If you put him in the right place. I just, I just don't care. I just don't really care. Ultimately on its own. It is a decent movie. Well, none of the villains ever get some sort of, you know, like nope, like Peter Stamare and the shit he gets away with, dude. That guy's a fucking bastard. I mean, great performance, but yeah, what yeah. the hell? I think Julia Pinoche is way too fucking nice. Like she's, she never calls these people on their bullshit ever, and it's just chocolate. I don't think anywhere in the Bible God said, "Hey, and ye shall destroy the chocolate shop that opens up across the church." Pretty sure he never said that, <laughs> but. Yeah, it's just infuriating. I like Johnny Depp as an Irish rogue, but even then he was like that accent was slipping. <laughs> yeah, he was fine. He's not in it like a bunch, so that that works. It just doesn't seem I you know, I take it back. This I didn't all right, I didn't quite like this movie as much as I thought. It's I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I had some moments of like, oh, that's nice, but overall I was more either bored or just upset. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, again, when you're doing these showdowns, you're like, "All right, let's get some, let's get some heat. Let's like, let's get some movies here, so we can talk about them." And this always fucking happens. At least one of them is like, "What? What yeah. is that doing here?" In, in a year where it's like, like, there's plenty to choose from, plenty. And this is this is your 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 fifth um, fifth choice. 
don't know. Judy Dench, she's pretty good in it. Julia Pinoche, love her to death. Again, I think undervalued, underused in this movie. She still gets a nomination. Judy Dench gets a nomination. It gets a it gets a nomination for screenplay, which I find to be just fucking uh, uh, embarrassing. Uh, it gets an original score nomination, not a very good score, and, and best picture. Five nominations for this movie. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We've done we've done so many movies on the show. It's got one or two that are like by miles and miles better than this movie. So it's fine. It's decent. <laughs> Six or seven, three three and a half star type movie. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'll back that up. Uh, just offhand, since I'm pretty, since we both don't think it deserves to be here, anything off the top of your head that you would put in its place? A hundred percent. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's like, there's at least like 15 movies I could name. Number one would be, um, there's, well, there's two that I, I would like go to bat for. There's one called Amoris Parish, uh, Alejandro Inarritu, Mexican movie that was also up for best foreign language film. So like, they saw it. They saw it. <laughs> yeah. They just didn't want to. And it's amazing. It's fantastic. I love that movie to death. It's my favorite of, of Inarito's movies. And I, I, I put it there. The other one to me is the best movie from this year that I've seen. And it's Wong Kar Wai's In the Mood for Love. That yeah. movie is bonkers. Barry Jenkins, director of Moonlight and Beale Street, if Beale Street could talk, said it best. He said, most filmmakers won't ever touch the magic that is In the Mood for Love. And that's so true. That movie fucking rules. It's <laughs> so much better than, than, than most of the movies that get nominated for best picture. Th- that just happens with foreign movies. Yeah. We're, I don't know. We're, we're still such sticks in the mud when it comes to when they're not speaking English. <laughs> I don't yeah. Get it. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the, one of the rare years where you do get, you know, crouching tiger in the group, you know, it makes some noise. It was up for like 10 Oscars. So like, it broke barriers, but it's like, that's that, that shouldn't be the case. We shouldn't be like, Oh, look how special it is when a foreign movie does well. Like they should do well every year. It's condescending. It's, uh, yeah, it's, um, patronizing. And yeah. It same, just, with, you know, same with animated movies. Yeah. Like, why put them in this box? A good why film is a good film, regardless of the medium or the language. That's just, that's how it should be. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's the whole thing is like they make these categories so that they're like you can be over there, you know, yeah. a- another another round, you know, the Danish film. It's like y- you can be that movie's better than half the movies that were up. Like, what? why? Why do that to it? You know, I, I just don't I don't understand. Uh, but that's also there's something empowering about being a viewer, being an audience member and a fan and sticking your neck out and watching those movies and being like, this is better than that objectively. Yeah, I agree. Um, in Chocolat's place, I would put either Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? It's good, good, good pick. Or Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, that movie rules. It's one of my favorite drug movies ever. I mean, you know, um, uh, what's her name gets some love in the uh, Ellen Burstyn. Ellen Burstyn gets gets a nomination there, so like that's nice. Um, but no love for like the movie as a whole, which sucks. I know. Yeah. I mean, even like, you know, Almost Famous or Castaway, like there were, there was Memento, like there were options. Yeah, Yeah, there's big movies that made money. And like Almost Famous is like, is like scattered throughout the ceremony, but not here. So yeah, it's just, I don't know. The other four, I think have an argument for like being here, but that one, Chocolat, just doesn't really have a lot to say. Nope. So 
Number four, number four, what do you got? I'm, I'm interested to see where we go from here because we both like these movies and I'm, I'm interested to see where we kind of rank them. Yes, and uh, this might be a little divisive, but number four is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh! I, yep, <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I've been stabbed in the lung. <laughs> oh, no, no ill will towards this movie at all. It's a great film. It's a wonderful film. It's visually stunning. It's an epic story. I just admittedly like the other three better. I've, oh, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. There's nothing. There are lulls in Crouching Tiger, and I don't like lulls. I don't like moments where I'm like not paying attention, and that can happen sometimes in this movie. What, what, what parts? What parts? Uh, I, well, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm head <laughs> over heels. I'm head over heels for this movie. A lot towards the beginning. Um, I think the ending kind of comes out of nowhere. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's just, and again, it's not a terrible film. I do, I love the the martial arts of this film, the performances. I fucking adore Chow Yun Fat, Michelle Yao. You know that. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh my God. They're so good in that movie. Ming Lee is one of my favorite directors. So, no ill will. It is just a, a, this was, you know, this was incredibly difficult. These four films are pretty even ground for me, with, you know, obviously one of them going a little bit more, a little bit more. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Da, 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 da. <laughs> It's so just, so where, where where are we where are we at as far as like rankings like is Crouching Tiger a, an eight? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, are the rest of them eight or where, where are you at? Chocolat's probably seven. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Brockovich, Traffic are threes. Gladiators obviously a nine. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So your number four is Crouching Tiger. My number four is Traffic. Oh. Mm, okay. Um. It's an interesting movie. <laughs> uh, for me, from 2000, this is like one of the most interesting time capsules of, of the year. Um, I like I like this movie a lot. I hadn't seen it in a long, long time. Um, I saw it at my friend's house when I was like maybe 14 or 15. It's been, you know, it's been over a decade. And I remember liking it, but I remember it being like, it was so fucking long, you know, and it is two and a half hours. But it, it goes by. It's got a good pace to it. It jumps around to like three different main storylines, uh, and that's 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 where my nitpicks come in. Mm-hmm. Is the the <laughs> the color grading? Um, and I looked up what 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 was behind this. Like, what are we doing? Like, why is this what we're doing? Why is Mexico yellow, Ohio blue, and San Diego normal? Um, and, and Steven Soderbergh says that he thought his, he thought the movie would be confusing for most viewers, and he wanted there to be a clear difference in where we were at, so you wouldn't get confused with which characters you're with. And I'm like, well, well, are we stupid? Are you treating us like we're fucking dumb? Um, so I don't like that. I I'm tired. I'm very tired. I know you are too. Very very tired of Mexico and Latino um, countries being yellow. They have the same sun that we do. Same, they get the same light source that we do. This was my main problem with Breaking Bad. This is my main problem with a lot of movies that deal with drugs and the cartel in Mexico. Is it's it's yellow over there. It's a little bit you know askewed, as if everyone who lives in that country is a criminal, is a drug dealer, is some sort of sketchy person. It's not right. Like it's it's like I also don't understand why Ohio the decision was to do blue 
I don't really get that. Like you're literally watching Michael Douglas as a judge at the beginning of the movie. And you're like, why is it blue? (laughs) What's the point here? However, this is a powerful film. This has some really good performances, including Michael Douglas. Benicio del Toro is lights out. Don Cheadle is lights out. Dare I say, Luis Guzman is lights out. I like this movie. It's an eight for me. It's solid. It's not my favorite Soderbergh, uh, clearly, <laughs> but <laughs> because there's another one. But I, but I think it's such an interesting movie to talk about. And this kind of a story, when it came out, I'm sure was like holy fucking shit in 2000 to talk about drugs this way. But if you've seen stuff since then, if you've seen, I don't know, to me, the, the thing I thought about the most was The Wire. It's like, mm. this story's been told much better since then. Yeah. In a, 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 in a much more in-depth way of, like, actually explaining what's going on. That's why I like this movie. The, the Like, the divisiveness in my own mind of it, 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 like, makes it interesting. I spent more time reading about this movie than the other four put together. Like thinking about it and kind of turning it over in my head and like, do I really love that movie or, or like, do I respect it? Do, you know, at the end of the day, like it's, it's something worth talking about. And like, that's, that's good in my opinion. And I was reading letterbox reviews all night last night. I stayed up way too late. And I was just like, man, the divisiveness of this movie is fascinating. And like, I, I, I could, what I was thinking while watching it, I could read on letterboxd like both sides of my mind. Like people were like, this movie fucking rules. Everybody's awesome in it. And it's so badass. And then other people were like, this movie sucks. It's it, like, it, it thinks it's smart, but it isn't like shame on you. Soderbergh for treating certain cultures this way. You know? And like, I, I love that. I fucking love that about movies. I love that about art. I love that people are like allowed to just go out there and speak their mind about it. And I love that. I get to do that too. But at the end of the day, I'm usually somewhere in the middle. And that's where I'm at with traffic. It's my number four. <laughs> Damn, I was not expecting that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will have more to say on traffic further down the road. Uh, I I enjoyed this movie a lot more, uh, but I did, you know, that shit bothers me. But I've seen it so much that honestly, like it's I'm kind of numb to it almost at this point. Totally understand. Which yeah. isn't a good thing either. Uh, no, but but it's a thing. <laughs> I'm you know I'm Hispanic and I I like I would like some some you know positive cultural representation for once. Yeah, like can we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. That's like a whole podcast, right? It's like, <laughs> I mean, you're literally working on it in school. You're like working on like let's fix that that yeah. part that part of movie making. Yeah. So traffic's got some some problems there, but um, but 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 man, it's 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 an intriguing movie. Good God. It's got some good performances, man. So, uh, like, the guy, you know, the guy that I was most blown away by that I, like, completely forgot was in it was Clifton Collins. I was like, the fuck is that guy doing? He plays um, uh, the guy who, the guy, uh, I don't want to, like, just give it away. The guy who gets shot after he's trying to shoot um, oh, yeah. uh, Ruiz. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember him. I, yeah, I like, I like completely forgot he was in the movie and I was like, hey, he's good. Like he's got, he's got like a whole costume and look to him. That's, that was really unique. Yeah. It's there's such, so, there's so many random uh, people in this movie that just had me constantly going like, ah, like Miguel Ferrer. Really? 
<laughs> Fucking Twin Peaks, baby. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, does that make me Hollywood's bitch? Yeah, probably. But, you know, I've been very open about that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, my number three is Aaron Brockovich. Okay. Awesome. That's that's also my number three. Yeah. Awesome movie. It's uh I never really liked Julia Roberts. I always thought she was incredibly phony and overrated. But she is really good in this. Uh, yeah, I I I went through the same thing. <laughs> where I was like, okay, maybe they're right. <laughs> <laughs> Do I think she should have won Best Actress? No, not over Ellen Burstyn. Um but she's good. And her chemistry with Albert Finney in this really neat true story of just the little guy finally getting one over on the corporations is so good. I just, I love the circumstances in which she ends up getting that job are hilarious. And I hope to God that was true. (laughs) And then, you know, her just finding this, this hole that leads to this giant class action lawsuit against a company that was like willfully poisoning their customers and getting away with it for decades you know, leading to so much death and birth defects and cancer and just horrible shit upon this town. Uh, I also did like within the past year, I watched Dark Waters with uh, Mark Ruffalo. Same exact plot, but they both really happened. And that's just fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is a, you know, a great legal drama, really funny at times, really endearing at times. I love Aaron Eckhart as this like random kind-hearted hell's angel who's like i'll watch your kids <laughs> yeah he's great <laughs> it was like fucking harvey dent <laughs> yeah also found out based on her uh, her real boyfriend who was hispanic so there it is again <laughs> great yeah aaron eckhart you can play the hispanic uh bike rider yeah how many times are we gonna just do that but uh <sighs> oh god anyway it grinds my gears god damn it uh, yeah, rightly so. But it is, you know, it's Albert Finney who really sells this one for me. Just this kind of ambulance chaser who finally finds something to believe in. Uh, it's a great movie. Um, Soderbergh had a fucking amazing 2000, uh, knocking out two hammers. And then he followed it the next year with Ocean's Eleven. Holy hell, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he, you, you know, we were talking about how Russell Crowe peaked. He might have peaked too at this time. I love Soderbergh. And I, I really find something to enjoy with nearly everything he does. Um, but the, he was, he was doing like really special stuff back then. Uh, yeah. Love, love, love Aaron Brockovich. I was blown away, blown away by this movie. Uh, it's want to say so far, Chocolat. I believe that one's on Paramount. Plus. Uh, Paramount plus traffic is not really anywhere. Um, Brockovich is on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Crouching Tigers on HBO Max, I believe. Um, so you know these these movies are like available, uh, and traffic is easy to find, like on DVD and shit. Um, Aaron Brockovich, it, it reminded me of Norma Ray. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. A movie we co- movie we covered like a hundred episodes ago. <laughs> uh, we've we've never actually done an episode on norma ray we just talked about it we just talked about with 1979 best picture showdown uh lost to kramer versus kramer uh i, I feel like the same way about it where it's like i would i would have been okay if it won you know the kind of kind of thing i would have been okay with, with aaron brockovich winning uh I, I just have like 
I love stories like this about women who are just like, fuck you. I know, like, I know what I'm worth and I know like what I'm talking about. I'm not crazy. Uh, I command the room every time I walk into it, but I also, I also know how to speak to people like they're human. I I just love characters like that. Julie Roberts, she blew me away. She blew me away. I had no idea. I feel the same way as you. I knew Albert Finney. I, you know, I love that guy. God, God rest his soul. Mm. We knew about him. We knew he was going to bring the heat. He, he's fucking great in this movie. That's, that was kind of easy. But Julia Roberts, I've always been hard on her. Same as you, you know, you, you just, you get sold this idea that she's like the God's gift. You know, she's like the next Meryl Streep or something. And you're like, no, not really. Yeah. But this, this, this is my favorite thing I've seen her in by, by so far, you know, I, I love this role. I agree with you. I think Burston's amazing in Requiem. I don't, I have a hard time with like the best lead, lead category. Like Julia Roberts is like carrying this movie and she is the movie. And Burston like could be a supporting more yeah, so. It's true. You know, like those are so hard to compare. Like they're so hard, but I like Burston's performance more. Like I think about it more. It's so fucking weird and jacked up. But Julia Roberts is like, she is the movie. She's in every frame. She does everything. She has a ton of lines and, and she plays a, an amazing character, a real life person who, who, you know, like needed to be here during a tough time for some people in California. So yeah, love that movie. I, I, I really want to own it. It's one I've kind of uh, talk, talked about. Like, this is another one I talked about with my parents. I texted them both. I was like, y'all, 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 y'all have seen Aaron Brockovich, right? My mom was like, yeah, it's one of my like 10 favorite movies of all time. And my dad's like, yeah, Julia Roberts was something else uh, like uh, around that time. I, I just, I love, I love that stuff. You know, I, I love, I, I don't text my friends about that other than you because I, they don't give a fuck, you know, <laughs> they're like, I, I, I'm not thinking about Aaron Brockovich watching it on HBO max. I'm thinking of house of the dragon or whatever, you know, I'm thinking about this, <laughs> you know? And so I went to my parents who were both, you know, over 60 years old and like they, they, they get it. And I loved that. I was like, that's really special. And uh, Aaron Brockovich is definitely one that uh, I'll, I'll hold to my heart. It's a solid eight out of 10 movie for me. I, I always really like movies that shine a spotlight on single moms. Yeah. You know, I was raised by a single mom. I know how, you know, I've seen how difficult that can be and how, you know, unappreciated a lot of single mom, single parents are. And I just love seeing her, you know, be a, a good parent and help these people and get a job and have a healthy relationship and just make it all work with this sense of balance. I, I admire the shit out of that. And, you know, just, it just kept made me thinking about my mom and how much I appreciate, you know, the sacrifices that she made for me. And that's just gravy. Yeah. That's just beautiful. That's just like th- that. There's that thing with movies every now and again, you're like, I, I get, I get it. Yeah. Like you're not you're not only like this is a cool story you're like i like i i can feel it i can feel that emotion that specific thing that i relate to and for you to have that moment with such a cool movie is yeah, that's that's part of the point <laughs> yeah so yeah, good i love it man uh all right down to our top two here yeah number two i i i, I have a guess yeah traffic yeah all <laughs> right let's hear it I love this ensemble to death. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that all the Mexico scenes were, you know, tinted to remind us that this is not America. This is not the real world. This is Mexico. Uh, 
<laughs> that bothers me. But we've also got Benicio del Toro as a yeah. police officer who gets drawn into a cartel war, and he sells it so well. He kills that performance. He didn't. Even, he did not speak Spanish before he got that role. He learned Spanish to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. I did. He sounds fluent. He kills it, and uh, I love that whole story. I I think that I like how this tackles the drug war in so many different ways from different perspectives and also just kind of tells you how futile it is, how it's all pointless. It's all bought and paid for. There is no war on drugs beyond what you see on the news. Hmm. That's, you know, not a surprise, but fucking cynical. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I like a bit of a wake up call sometimes from, you know, just, you know, what the government lies to us about. And I love Michael Douglas's arc of being like a conservative judge to I need to save my daughter. I, I love that arc. It's so good. Yeah. Yes. So believable. Topher Grace as like a prep school cokehead moron is perfect. He was born for that. <laughs> yeah, he really, really shines in, in, in traffic. I love, you know, Cheadle and Guzman just, you know, shooting the shit in the van. Uh I thought Catherine Zeta-Jones' story was a little unbelievable. Like, oh, my husband's a powerful drug lord. I guess I am now the powerful drug lord. It's like, what? <laughs> That's, yeah, I didn't even mention that. I, yeah, uh, that, she's she's got the worst section. And, and of course, her husband, played by Steve Bauer, of course he's a drug dealer. What else is he going to do? He's in Caesar Scarface. Yeah, he's, he's alongside Al Pacino. He's in Breaking Bad. He's fucking Don Eladio. Like, he doesn't do anything else. He has literally only played a drug lord. <laughs> yeah. And that, like... I mean, I love Ms. Don Eladio. You know, I, I have a soft spot for for Scarface, of course, but like he wasn't good in this movie. Like, it, it's just not enough to chew on. It's like not nearly enough for him to chew on. So, like the the scenes he's in with Catherine Zeta, I'm like, I don't really believe that you guys are like married. <laughs> and then Dennis Quaid is over here being like, "Well, I guess it's my turn." Like, what? Dennis Quaid. Oh, yeah, yeah. That section of the movie compared to the other two, not just not nearly as good. I agree, but to me, it's like the strength of those other stories really hold this together and kept me invested. And for a two and a half hour movie to keep me invested the whole time, that's that's work. And I, I got to give it props for that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think we're on the same page. It's, it's an eight for you. Yes. It's an eight for me. We both we both like it. There's like so many interesting things to say about it. It makes me want to do it on the show in the future you know maybe give it a couple years and like we'll do it again but like properly go into like everything about it because it it is a big movie and like you said the ensemble is remarkable um with you know benicio (laughs) he wins the movies (laughs) he like like he won the oscar and he's amazing you know he's just he, he just rules like it just made sense that he won um yeah yeah i love i love that i love that we both you know liked it but for similar reasons and disliked it for, for other reasons and, and still have it. I have it four and you have it too. Like that's, in, I, that's why we do these showdowns. It's one of those, you know, gray movies where it's a good movie, but it's got problems. I have trouble ignoring, but I don't want to completely throw it away. That's, that's totally fair. I, I, I definitely, I, I want to buy this movie. Like I, I do think it's worth, like it's just worth talking about. And those are some some of my favorite movies, the ones that you can just keep talking and keep talking and unpacking things about it. Whereas Aaron Brockovich is just like, yeah, that was fucking good. You know, yeah. that, was, that was great. You know, there's not like 
this huge conversation to have around it because there's, there's not a lot of problems with it other than Aaron Eckhart. <laughs> and I thought he was, you know, quite, quite endearing. I love that Eckhart is, he's not a bad actor, but like every performance he's ever done is like a little bit like, like some facial hair or a haircut or like a wig, but it's the same exact voice and like no deviation there at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that guy though. He's one of those random, random actors that you, you just recognize right away. And he, he, he's, he looks like he's having fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's good. Fucking Harvey Dent. Um, all right. So my number two, this may come as a bit of a surprise, but my number two is Gladiator. Whoa, okay. Yeah. Damn. Yes. So I got I got Chocolat as a as a six or a seven. Traffic, Brockovich as eight, and, and I got Gladiator as a nine, and I'll save the other one for, for after. Obviously, we both love Gladiator. It's fucking awesome. It's damn near a masterpiece and just so fun so good one of those movies that's just simple and great and sometimes you need those you need those kind of those those kind of staple movies and i I, i've always wanted to do on the show you know it's always been this is the first time we've come to this ceremony on the show this is the first time we've talked about 2000 and i i kind of wanted to save it for this i was like gladiator is good enough and we like it enough to let's just let's just do that as our first 2000 movie you know like it it just works out great (laughs) That's, I won't say it's a surprise, <laughs> but I am a bit flabbergasted. <laughs> Fla- flabbergasted. So it's your number one. I've, yeah, Gladiator's my one. That's and that movie you give a nine as well. We both give it a nine. It's a solid fucking movie. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's an endlessly rewatchable film. It's got an amazing story, great ensemble, wonderful visual effects, some really satisfying moments, a killer score, and just, you know, a timeless quality. Uh, yeah, yeah. In many ways, like the perfect Best Picture winner. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And like these rankings, this is more like favorite, this, yeah. this, this, this five through one. Gladiator is probably like the of this group is probably like the best overall movie where it's like, yeah, like if you have a pulse, you're probably you're probably going to dig Gladiator. Uh, it's like one of those. It's kind of like, you know, like the Godfather and films that you're just like, yeah, it's kind of obvious. Like it just makes sense within the group. There's competition, but like, you know, at the end of the day, made a shit ton of money. It's really good. It's got a big time director, big time star coming in at the forefront. It just works on so many levels with Best Picture. Yeah, I second all of that. And mm. now I want to hear your reasoning. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. This is a 10 out of 10. This is, uh, this moved up. I had it as a nine forever, you know? Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, man. I don't know what it was exactly about watching it this past time, this most recent time. I've seen it a handful of times. I've owned it for a long time. It's one of the first Blu-rays I ever bought as a teenager. Um, and, and it, it was one of the, I think why I hold it so close to me is because it's probably the first foreign movie I watched. I, like, you know, I was, I was probably like 14 when I first watched it. And I was like, Oh, like other people make movies, <laughs> other, other countries like make movies, you know, and it's not just England and, and, and the U S <laughs> just one of those i was a naive stupid fucker you know and 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 when you when you when that 
door opens. It's just endless, endless cinema. And I, I still feel that way about it. I still have that little boy wonder of, man, this movie changed my life because of like what else is out there. And it's really fucking good. Not only that, not only did it change the way I see movies and the way I see the world, I really fucking like it. So this time watching it, I kind of got to put everything to the side. And it, it was it was really, I watched it really late at night. I wanted to like really test it, like test how much do I really like this movie as just a fan. And I was just enthralled the whole two hours. You know, I was just like so locked in. And and for me, I, I understand, you know, I, I, this is another movie I've read a bunch about because you know, I'm also a huge Ang Lee fan. I've re- like read a bunch about um, like people who don't really like it as much or like the negative reviews and they usually say there's like you know like halfway through there's like a lull there's like some boring moments or whatever I, I just I'm like complete opposite like I, I like that stuff I like the beginning of the movie I like the origin of like oh man like who are these people what do they mean to this community and you know especially, especially you know <laughs> Master Lee Mubai like watching people talk about him is so fascinating this this master warrior who's like about to retire basically and he's like oh fuck i gotta do one last job i love storylines like that where someone's like i have one last thing i need to accomplish you know uh I, I'm, I'm big on that then you have it in this setting with the martial arts scenes of everybody fucking you know gliding floating around just gorgeous and i love I've I've read a lot of people who don't like that middle section where you see like the love story happen, like the flashback. I love that section of the movie. I th- I think that section's amazing with Lo and Jen and their love story of them. That's one of my favorite like natural sexual scenes I've ever seen in my life. Is that moment where like they hate each other, or well she hates him and she's like I gotta get the fuck out of here, and eventually she's like realizing that he, he like cares. He like could kill you. And, and like t- take you know he could take for ransom or he could do anything he wants like for his own benefit but he never does he like keeps like giving her another chance giving her another chance when she finally realizes that it's like such a beautiful moment i love that bit of the movie i love when he comes back on her wedding day and he's like you can't marry him you know he's fucking losing his mind he's on his horse and uh the the connections of this to like popular culture are, are, are pretty vast you know they're like the Wu-Tang Mountains, the Wu-Tang Clan, like those, all those things like intertwine, like rap music takes that kind of culture like really seriously, the kind of like the spiritual side of martial arts and like mastering it so much so that in my opinion, the greatest rap group of all time, the Wu-Tang Clan took their name from it. I love that. I love that stuff about it too. So I, it's kind of an all cylinders, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I like what it did for me as a teenager. I just like the fucking movie and I like what it does for pop culture. Like I think it hits on all cylinders and Ang Lee, Ang fucking Lee, that guy, that guy deserved best director. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the guy I'll go to bat for. You know what I mean? I just, I'm obsessed with that dude. This and broke back is like, that's all I fucking need from, from somebody. So I, I'm just obsessed with it. It's a 10 out of 10 movie for me. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with any of that. I'm, I'm glad you were able to find such personal investment in this film. Uh, those are the best movies that can speak to us and yep. get us invested in such a way 
that we just can't stop thinking about it. That's those are the best movies. I I'm glad you found that. Yes, I did. And it, it, it I needed this for it to happen for so long. I was just like, that's just a really, really, really good movie. Nine out of 10, you know, just, it's really good. It's really solid, better than most. And then I was like, no, this is like, fuck everything. This is like very, very dear to my heart. And those are the movies I have to give tens are ones that just like pierce me. And it it did it on this viewing. It did it. That's great, man. I love that. Ah, (laughs) good, good, good group overall though, man. This is one of the best groups we've had. Uh, So we both had Chocolat number five. Chocolat. Uh, I had traffic number four. You had Crouching Tiger number four. Yeah. We both had Aaron Brockovich three. I had Gladiator two. You had traffic number two. I had Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon one, and you had Gladiator one. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were, I love that. I, I knew that was going to happen. I knew we weren't going to have the exact same four. You know, there's no way. <laughs> it's it's just too, it's too jumbled up. It's too divisive. It's too kind of like up to personal taste yeah. for the, for these four. Um, but yes, there are movies that maybe should have been in instead of, but that's not what the showdowns are about. We're taking literal context and trying to like make it our own conversation. So I love these showdowns, man. They're so much fun, but now we can go down to categories and really look at this uh, this fucking this ceremony and see what we would vote as far as the stuff we've seen, right? So with Gladiator, there's 12 nominations. So we'll try to do this fairly quickly. We'll try not to take too much time. But uh, I, I do want to look at all the categories that we can. Of course, Best Picture we've already done. There's not really you know more we need to say about that. Let's start with kind of the, the ones that lost, maybe. Okay. Let's start with... Uh, let's see, we got... No, we'll save supporting actor, director. Let's go to art direction. Okay. Best art direction. So let's see. You've got to find that shit. Usually at the bottom of your, uh, if you're on Wikipedia, following along. It's usually towards the bottom because it's more of a uh, technical technical thing. So uh, this is an interesting group. We have the winner, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It beat Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Love that movie. Uh, Gladiator. Quills, which is a movie I have not seen, and Vatel, I believe that's a French film. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen that one either. So, Quills, uh, Quills is a bit of a family joke. Um, okay, okay, let's hear it. My mom watched Quills and pretty much urged me, like, stay away from that. Um, it's the story of the Marquis de Sade, maybe the most depraved monster who ever lived. He invented the word, like the word sadism came from him. <laughs> so it's his story. So not exactly something I'm jumping to watch. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, art direction, production design. I, I know this is. No, I, I'm, I'm on the same page as you. I'm on the same page. I swear to God. <laughs> this should have gone to the Grinch. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. That's of, great. of what I've seen, Crouching Tiger, Gladiator, and uh, and The Grinch, I get to The Grinch. It, there's no movie that looks like that from that year. No, the production design is that film. It's Whoville. Like outside of you know animated films like Horton Hears a Who, like this is the only time we've gotten a live action Whoville that was built from scratch and looks just you know Seuss-tastic. <laughs> yeah. It's, it would have been exactly. great for this to take home a production design win. It's, I, 
I love the Grinch. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, me too. I'm a big, big fan of that one. You know, that was that was one I remember seeing in theaters. Like I still remember still remember seeing Jim Carrey act like a fucking wacko, you know. Like it just yeah, it's just great. Um so yeah, I'm with you on that. Gotta see the other two movies, but for now, out of those three, I'm going the Grinch. Uh we're gonna we're we're going straight from you know art art direction to to fucking big time big time categories. Uh best original score. Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon won the award for Ten Dune. Uh fantastic score. I really, really, really dig that stuff. Uh you got Rachel Portman for Chocolat. Nah, probably doesn't really deserve a spot. Uh you got Gladiator, Hans Zimmer, of course. He's he's a he's a horse. <laughs> uh you got Ennio Morricone, our guy for Molina. Ooh. I have not I have not seen that movie yet. Um and then you got John Williams, another another big time name. You got three hammers in this category. Uh and, and John Williams was nominated for the Patriot. <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna just go ahead and let personal bias carry me all the way home. I'm giving this to the Patriot. Okay. Okay. I know you love that movie. I will go to bat for that film. It's very similar to Gladiator, which is kind of cool. Um, John Williams, you know, maybe the, the greatest film composer of all time. There's an argument. His work in The Patriot is just so, like, fist-pumpingly awesome. It's like, you know, yeah, fuck the British. Let's take them down. <laughs> it's, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it is about that movie, man. I just, I, I fall in love. It's, it's a wonderful film, and his score is, is a big part of that. Yeah, it's my favorite aspect of that movie. I haven't seen it in a while, but I I, I do remember loving the score. Uh, I I'd probably give it to uh, probably Hans Zimmer. I don't know. I mean, Crouching Tiger. This is a good category. I we got to see the Ennio Morricone one. You know, yes. we got to see that. Malena, erotic That's, comedy drama. Yeah, I'm I'm down. It's hard to vote on something when the movie you haven't seen is a score by Ennio fucking Morricone. I know. I wanted to give him the win, but I'm like, I can't. I haven't heard that. <laughs> so yeah, that's one. That's one we'll uh, we'll talk about later down the road when we've seen that one as well. But for now, I'll side with Zimmer. You'll side with Williams, and we'll wait on the Morricone because I mean we did you know name our award after him. <laughs> uh, next one up would be best film editing, and I want to say I was looking at this category. I feel like last night, and there's 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 some stuff to say for sure. Uh, where are we at? Best of editing. Okay, traffic wins. Makes sense because it's dealing with a lot of things going on, uh, a lot of different stories intertwining. It beat Almost Famous, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Gladiator, and Wonder Boys. <laughs> Interesting group. I have not seen Wonder Boys. I. Uh... I'll have to do that. I think that I think traffic gets this one. It's got to, right? I mean, like that's that is the movie. It's like if you don't splice this thing together correctly, it could be a fucking mess. Yeah. Well, you texted me last night that it was a a good crash. Yes, I stand by that. (laughs) I stand by that because yeah, because at least it's like saying something. You know, crash is just like so dumb, but uh. Yeah, this this Wonder Boys movie, I haven't seen that either. That's also Michael Douglas. He had a big year. Uh, and he's acting alongside Tobey Maguire and Francis McDormand. So it's like, yeah, I feel like Robert Downey Jr., Katie Holmes. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, pro- probably need to see that movie at some point. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of kind of the whole goal here with the 
knocking out these years, just trying to trying to see as much as you can. So can't say anything about that, but I would give it to Traffic. Uh, other movies are good. Almost Famous, I, I feel like you know it, it's pretty straightforward. Gladiator, Gladiator's got some good editing going on with the fight scenes and whatnot, but Crouching Tiger as well. Probably not the easiest to edit those martial arts scenes, but. Again, traffic, that is the movie. So I, I like to award a movie that is quite frankly useless without good editing. Yeah, exactly. You know, when you're balancing uh, that many different storylines together, like you you gotta get it right or you're gonna fuck the whole thing up. Or you're 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 screwed. Yeah. Like that that could have been a movie that nobody talks about again if it's not done correctly. Um uh, best cinematography. Let's see, best cinematography. Gladiator's got some good shit going on for sure. Let's see. I'm not sure what won this. The fuck is it? Uh, it's near makeup, like right above yeah. film editing. Why am I not seeing it? What the fuck? <laughs> this this have oh there it is. Yeah yeah okay. Oh yeah, Peter Powell one for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, there's Gladiator. There's Molina again. Oh brother, where art thou, Mister Roger Deakins? And the Patriot. Ah okay. What do you got? That's just not fair. Uh, I there's some two of my favorite movies. Three of my favorite movies are in here. Uh, this goes to Roger Deakins. Oh, brother, where art thou? I okay. love the way that movie looks. You know, capturing the vibe of like 1930s. I think it's like what Alabama or Mississippi, Mississippi, yeah, the South, yeah. <laughs> yeah <basically laughs> Not a lot of difference down there. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I think, you know, this this film looks beautiful. I love the shots that, you know, are supposed to echo, you know, Greek mythology, but in an American setting. And Deacons is doing some of his best work there. I, I love that movie. Okay. I'm okay with that. I'd stick with the winner, Peter Powell. I think, yeah, Crouch Tiger is just so gorgeous. But Deacons is definitely, definitely in the conversation. That's, that's an interesting group. Um, all right. I'm very curious to hear what you say about this next one. Uh, best original screenplay. <laughs> winner Cameron Crowe for Almost Famous uh, beat out Lee Hall Billy for uh, Billy Elliot Susanna Grant for Aaron Brockovich David Franzoni John Logan and William Nicholson for Gladiator and Ken- Kenneth Lonergan for uh, You Can Count On Me I have not seen You Can Count On Me yeah I know Laura Linney is an actress I really gotta explore more I've seen the yeah. but that's kind of it uh, she's she's the wife in a uh, Squid and the Whale, and she's amazing oh. in that movie. Yeah, I do remember that. That was a good movie. Um, yeah, she's someone who's kind of escaped me as well. And I've heard from the few people that I've talked to who have seen you can count on me for good things. Nice. Uh it's cool that Cameron Crowe won this. You know, for his kind of semi autobiographical movie that's really good, very uh, realistic. But I would give this to Aaron Brockovich. Yeah, me too. Susanna Grant. Yeah. It's it, it's dead without its screenplay. It really is. And it's such a great story. I know. It's... And she's... I, I, I would love to meet the real Aaron Brockovich just to find out, like, how accurate this was because she's such a, like, just over-the-top, crazy, volatile, like, woman scorned who wants to take these people down because she's, you know... She wants to stand up to them because you know no one stood up for her, so she wants to stand up for these these people. It's it's a great human interest story that 
I don't think, you know, would have been told if this lady hadn't, you know, probably found this out. I don't know if how famous this story was before the movie came out. Mm. So I wonder about that with true stories or original screenplays. Like did that, did they have to like find out about that or like, how does that work? Yeah. I, I wonder that about this movie too. Just kind of like, how did this get made? Cause, cause it's pretty quick. Like the real life thing is it's, it happens pretty, pretty shortly before the movie comes out. So you just wonder what were the steps that took place. But I think you and I, what we've, I think we found out when we get to these screenplay categories, we both really like these, um, just like super, I won't say American, but superhuman stories that are just, just about people that have to use dialogue. Like that's their weapon. Like, like Julia Roberts, when she comes in and she's like talking to Albert Finney, he's like, well, how are you going to do that? She's like, they're called boobs. You know, like she, she like uses her words and her like attitude as kind of like a weapon as like a, as like a sword. Like, this is what I'm going in there. I'm going to use my, my wit I'm going to use my words. I'm going to use my, my knowledge of this information. When she tells that lady off that fucking stupid, stupid, like weird, annoying lawyer that comes in and like they partner with with them. And she, she's like, well, how, how do you know 600 phone numbers off the top of your head? And Aaron Brockovich is like, fucking feed me one, you know? And she does. And she knows everything about that person. Like those, that's her weapon is those words. And this movie uses it over and over and over. I just think this movie could suck if it's not written correctly. Two wrong feet and fucking ugly shoes. Such a great line. Yeah, that is a brilliant line. That's the one I was looking for. I was like on IMDb, like, where's that fucking quote? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you know, you pointed out like, you know, the more like we we've really come to love these these humanizing stories. And I think, you know, just the older I get, the more, you know, I grow up, the more I learn, the more I start to realize who the real superheroes are. Mm. And the more I really start to appreciate like the actions of, of real people. And yeah, that's really all there is to it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that uh, I love when she says, bite my ass, Krispy Kreme. <laughs> her random, the random shit she says to her coworkers. Yeah. Oh my God. So good. Yeah. I, but my favorite bit though, is when, again, with that, that partner, I found the exact quote. She's like, she says, Annabelle Daniels. And Aaron Brockovich says, Annabelle Daniels, 714-454-9346, 10 years old, 11 in May, lived on the pl- <laughs> lived, lived on the plume since birth, wanted to be a synchronized swimmer, so she spent every minute she could in the PG- PG&E pool. She had a tumor in her brain, <laughs> and her brain stem detected that last November, an operation on Thanksgiving, shrunk it with radiation after that. Her parents are Ted and Rita. Ted's got Crohn's disease, Rita has chronic head- headaches, and nausea and underwent a hysterectomy last fall. Ted grew up in Hinkley. His brother, Robbie, and his wife, May, they have five children. Robbie, Robbie Jr., Martha, Ed, Rose, and Peter also lived on the plume. Their, their number is 454-954. You want their diseases too? <laughs> she just fucking has all this in her brain, you know? It's just like, that's brilliant, brilliant writing. So that was my, that was my favorite part of Brockovich, was, was the writing, Julie Roberts, and Albert Finney. Old movies is people underestimating her and her just showing them up constantly. It's it's I love at the end when Albert Finney's like, you know, the, the number we agreed on, I felt it was inappropriate. And then she starts chewing him out and he's like, so I increased it. <laughs> Gives and she's her like, $2 million. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Ed. 
That's so awesome. They teach beauty uh, queens how to apologize because yeah. you suck at it. And he like, ha ha, like laughs. Pops out of there. It's yeah. Yeah, Albert Finney was was great. Great in that movie. Uh, <laughs> I love screenplay. We clearly have an affinity for that 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 category. Best director. Ooh. Traffic. Steven Soderbergh, the winner. He was also nominated for Aaron Brockovich. Stephen Daldry was nominated for Billy Elliot, Ang Lee for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and finally Ridley Scott for Gladiator. Good group. Yes, I do think it is a little ridiculous to nominate Soderbergh twice, <laughs> like for two different movies. Like, just pick one Academy and give the slot to you know the empty slot to somebody else. Like maybe you know Zemeckis for Castaway, maybe. Yeah, um, there's plenty of people that could take could take that. Just odd that they did that. But um, I'm with you. Give it to Ang Lee. Yeah. Overall, just the, you know, the, the category is direction of the movie. And he's, yeah, he's, 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 he's taken, taken that movie to a really cool place. Uh, I, I do think Gladiator, you know, really Scott's directing the share of that movie. I'm sure that was not easy. I wonder how much of, you know, the movie's practical and how much they had to use, you know, cgi and whatnot because you are working with you know 180 ad rome you know what i mean so i'm sure it was sure it was a tough tall task had a big budget but also made a bunch of money so um i just think overall crouching tiger is just just a master class yeah i do think those you know scott like those tigers were real <laughs> so you yeah wrangling to do um, God, that scene was great too. We could have t- we, we didn't even talk about that one yet. That, that scene is amazing. With the tigers. Uh, Commodus is like, okay, he's gonna die today. <laughs> nope. I love when he tells his like the weird little master of ceremonies. Like, uh, my memory's a little hazy, but didn't the barbarians lose the Battle of Carthage? He's like, yep. Sorry about that. Let me. Fix yes, that. yes. I love that guy. <laughs> his voice is insane. <laughs> Oh, yeah, stuff. yeah. Best, best. Right. You should check out Billy Elliot, man. That's up your alley for sure. That's been on my radar for quite some time. I, I will do my best. I, yeah, I could see you connecting with that one big time. So, good, good, good story and and great performances and just kind of hits you right at home, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, best supporting actor. Okay, this is too much for me to handle um i love these five i love these five gentlemen to death um they're all guys i feel like we brought up on this show at some point and just kind of raved about let's just dive in the winner benicio del toro for traffic he beat jeff bridges for the contender willem dafoe for shadow of the vampire albert finney for aaron brockovich and joaquin phoenix for gladiator oof like fuck out of here you know how we were talking about um let's see i think it was just a couple weeks ago well wait was it we did the town two weeks ago right yeah yeah uh when we did that best supporting actor uh, this best supporting actor heist movie this is your category (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that's I feel like Joaquin would be like the the Jeremy Renner hothead crazy person who I couldn't really count on. Yeah, well, what's what's good about this group is you could you could play it off that Bridges, Defoe, and Finney have like been doing this for like twenty years. <laughs> like they've been they've been at it, you know, and, and like Defoe and Bridges like came up at the same time 
and Finney's like been raising him, and the new guys are, are Joaquin and Benicio. Benicio is the undercover cop who's there to bust this gang. Perfect. We have a movie. <laughs> we have a movie, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Jeff Bridges would probably be like the leader, but his like right hand man, like best friend is Willem Dafoe. You know, and they like they live. This is this is what they do. This is their identity, but they don't take it home with them. You know. <laughs> Anyways, who who wins this category for you? I love that. Um, God, I want to see the contender so bad. I I bought it, and I just, I have it sitting on my shelf. I just have not watched it. I know I'm gonna love that movie. Ah, um, damn, this is hard. You know, I want to give it to Albert Finney. I I kind of do too. I mean, it would kind of be a little bit of a you know career Oscar, but for that performance, I think he did earn it, and he does turn in just great work. And you know, playing just kind of a smart ass who turns, you know, kind of gains, gets his heart back over the course of the movie. And yeah, that'd be cool to see Finney, you know, give a speech. He he never won one, which is a damn shame. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I feel I feel the same way. You know, I, I think there's an argument for Benicio. There's an argument for Joaquin. Um, well, obviously, we love Defoe and Bridges, but Finney, sure, yeah, he's older. And, you know, he's he's done better work in his in his past you know little, little film called miller's crossing uh, you know but but uh when you do do good work and you churn out you know gold within a movie and you offer a movie this like veteran presence in aaron brockovich that it desperately needs it, like needs that that's one of the best things a supporting actor can do or actress is offer kind of like a seasoning that's just kind of sprinkled throughout the movie and he's in it enough to be such a huge part of, of the end product. And so, yeah, I think Albert Finney would, would be great. I pr- If I had to vote, I'd probably go Benicio. He's like undoubtedly the best part of that movie for me. But Finney has an argument. And, and yeah, this is a good group. I love Benicio Del Toro to death. His, his speech was so cool. And he's just yeah. so fucking suave and badass. So I'm glad he won. But any of these guys would have would have earned that, that, that statue. Yeah, I I agree. Like, I, we would we would not complain about any of those guys. You know, they're just very important to that that craft. Uh, okay, those are the seven uh, nomination categories that Gladiator lost in. Now we can do some winners. Um, I guess we'll go to visual effects first. So we're going back to the technical side. I like doing it this way. We're kind of going going backwards now. But you and I hold these categories to be just as important as anything, uh, especially a movie like Gladiator. you got to have kick-ass visual effects for it to work. Yeah. So it beat, uh, Gladiator beat Hollow Man and The Perfect Storm. Just three movies. Ugh. I do want to just point out real quick that... Where's was... where is X-Men? Oh, yeah. In, in visual effects. Hollow Man is a fucking joke, and it should not be here. A, the visual effects aren't that great. B, it's a terrible fucking movie. <laughs> I I believe you. Um, it was announced today that for the 2023 Oscars, they are putting the technical awards back into the main show. <laughs> as yeah, as is tradition. Like what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. They basically went backwards and they're like, "Sorry about that shitty ceremony. We're gonna go back to like what it should be, and make it about movies again." Oh, thanks. That'd be that'd be nice. Every single time <laughs> they try to be innovative, it blows up in their face. Every single time. 
Yeah, and like have people say stupid fucking jokes all you know throughout the whole ceremony, and not just the big slap moment. Yeah, there was stuff riddled throughout that show that did not need to happen. Stupid shit said. I I'm I I desperately want them to go back to just let's just make it about the movies that came out and honor them and do a bunch of fucking montages and let's have let's have a good night. Yep. Um. So obviously X Men should be here. Uh, I'm surprised the Grinch isn't in here. Uh, I have not seen the Perfect Storm. I've heard it's great. I I have. I, I don't remember it too well because I was probably too young. You know what I'm saying? But uh, that that happened. That happens a lot with like those kind of like more epic movies. You like don't quite realize this this the scale. Here's so, a, yeah. This is this is a tough category to talk about. Here's an off the wall pick. How about the Cell? Oh. Dude, I love the cell. Oh my god, <laughs> good. It was up for makeup. Shout out. I didn't know that. Yeah, they got a makeup nom. Yeah. Why, why the fuck is it not here? Yeah, yeah. I think X Men's number one on my list. The Grinch, the Cell. Like you could easily have five movies here. Days of Future Past and Logan are the only two X Men movies with a nomination. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, I guess I give it to Gladiator because I don't like Hollow Man and I haven't seen The Perfect Storm. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what else to fucking do there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. You know, these these cat. When there's only three movies, it's hard to take it too seriously. Uh, best sound is next. Ooh, it's always always a fun always a fun category. Best sound. I was probably just by it and fucking scrolling like an idiot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, here it is. Here's five movies. Uh, you got Gladiator, The Win, It Beat Castaway, The Patriot, The Perfect Storm, and U571. I haven't seen that. Yep, submarine movie that a lot of people were pissed because it like screwed okay. with World War II history in a way that everyone was upset with. Ah, okay, okay. Um, good bit of discourse, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Gladiator, I think, takes this. I The battle sequences, the Gladiator fight scenes, like the sounds of ancient Rome, I buy it. Yeah, yeah, I do too. It's one of those, it probably had it in the bag the whole award season, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, actually, I think this movie came out in, like, December, um, I think, in theaters. So, like, it probably was one of those where, like, it happened and people were like, oh, yeah, that's the best one, you know? Uh, that that happens sometimes, uh movie will just come in fucking guns a blazing and, and and take everything that's what happened here i think uh, best costume design gladiator is a, a movie that would typically be up in this category because you know these period pieces they the, the oscars fucking love that shit they're what what what's the costume design that you like like not so oscary but like what's something that you're like oh i appreciate when that happens like just like a vibe or like a specific movie? Uh, either or. Either or. I like something that is unique and weird and creative and very specific to that film. Um, like like The Fifth Element. Yeah, like The Fifth Element or like Back to the Future 2, for instance. Like just odd, weird costumes. Like I want, I want to see that work was and ideas were put into this. Not just like, you know, a suit in a 1950s movie. I want to see some initiative. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I'm with you. I'm definitely more like um, 
for me personally, you know, like something like uh, Boogie Nights, where it's like, let's take a an era, uh, not necessarily like a period piece, but something more recent and like exaggerate the fuck out of it. You know, like I, I, I do enjoy that. I like the kind of the artistry of that. But I'm also like, what's weird? Like what's going to be out there? I've always in my mind seen the fifth, the fifth element as a movie that's just like, it's just so weird and wacky. And I like that. Futuristic films always have a, you know, a, a neat slant on costumes. And I, I, I like that a lot. They don't always get recognized for it either. Or, or like from dusk till dawn, you know, just like there's just so much difference in like the way people are dressed. And I like that. Would Tom Savini's like dick gun be considered part of the costume design? I, I would hope so. Tom Savini, <laughs> shout out. <laughs> anyway, at <laughs> this ceremony, Gladiator won costume design and it beat Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, 102 Dalmatians, and Quills. 102 Dalmatians. That's uh, <laughs> disappointing. Damn it. How do some of these movies like somehow sneak by when masterpieces are left out in the cold? I couldn't tell you, man. Why is it, brother? Where art thou not in here? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> well, once again, I give this to the Grinch. Yeah, I'm with you. This is a movie that fits our our criteria. Just being being totally different. Yeah, I want that. I want to see costumes. I can't just you know go to fucking Joseph A. Bank and look at <laughs> <laughs> Joseph A. Bank. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fucking fucking burlington coat factory's got all that shit you know i mean not like i can go to you know burlington and look at like a ancient roman tunic like i'm not saying that gladiator didn't do a great job in costume i just think the grinch stands out more in the costume department uh, yeah totally agree i'm with you on that uh all right last category this is an exciting one best actor in a lead role mm. unfortunately I'm not very well versed in this group of movies, and that sucks. Um, Got Russell Crowe, who won for Gladiator. I hate to say it, but I have not seen this movie. Uh, Javier Bardem in Before Night Falls. Shame on me. (laughs) Tom Hanks in Castaway. Ed Harris in Pollock. And Jeffrey Rush in Quills. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I've only seen Gladiator and Castaway. I haven't seen these other three films. Um, yeah, I'm in the same boat, and it's kind of depressing. I've heard Ed Harris like turned in like his best work in Pollock. Yeah, but I don't like Jackson Pollock, so I haven't watched that movie. <laughs> that's totally fair. Yeah, yeah, that is that's a tough one. Yeah, I, I've also read that he kind of did everything an actor can do, his sort of thing. Um, and and Bardem, yeah, yeah, he, his work speaks for itself. And we both we both are big fans of Jeffrey Rush and. Your family just has that quills joke, so you know. I will, I will watch it at some point. I'm just, I've just got to brace myself for some you know, two hours of some quite intense debauchery. Yeah, I, I thought about trying to knock these movies out. Uh, I just, I just couldn't get to them. You know, the the one that I want to see the most is Before Night Falls, just because I'm a big Bardem fan. But uh, if I'm going between Crow and Hanks, I'll, I'll give it to Crow. I'll give it to Hanks. Okay. His role in Castaway required some intense dedication. Uh, you know, there was that break they took where Hanks had to lose a whole bunch of weight and Zemeckis went and filmed What Lies Beneath. 
So that plus, you know, the psychological change he had to make in Chuck, you know, being away for like four years on an Island and the, the, the chemistry he had with a goddamn volleyball. (laughs) That is incredible. (laughs) Yeah, it really is a, it's a crazy performance that really only Tom could pull off. It's Hanks' performance. that makes me believe his insane sense of loss when Wilson gets, you know, lost at sea. Like you believe you're like, you're crying for the guy. Like you, that was all he had. That was his companion. It's a volleyball. Like only Tom Hanks could make that work. I, I love Castaway and I love him in it. And it would have been cool for him to take a third with Castaway. Yeah. He, I mean, you know, yeah, you got four scum Philadelphia. And if you would have won for Castaway, it put him in that rare, rare, rare place of, you know, like, you know, Day Lewis and Jack Nicholson, like guys who are like, when you win more than two, it's, it puts you in a very special place that not many people have gotten to or will ever get to. Uh, so that would have been neat for history's sake. But Russell Crowe, you know, he's 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 creating his own legacy with this movie, uh, Gladiator. So that's it for the categories. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I love going through these, especially these more recent years where we've seen a lot more stuff and have some stuff to say. But uh, is there anything else you, you, you want to say about this ceremony? Gladiator rocks. I'm glad it won. If you haven't watched it, I don't know what you're doing with your life or why you're listening to this. Yeah, get your ass to Amazon Prime and... Uh, and check it out because it's there for free if you have it. Uh, so no excuses. I feel like everybody these days has fucking Prime uh, or they know somebody who has it, you know. <laughs> That's how the world works now. Uh, who has the streaming service and where can I get the password? Um, yeah, this is a lot of fun. I love doing these showdowns. This is a big, big, big part of why we do this show is to kind of lead up to these and have these big, big conversations about, about multiple movies. Um We'll be getting back to, you know, the normal schedule next week, but I, it's going to be another awesome, great episode. Before we get to that, what are we doing on uh, Filmgasm and uh, Beyond the Bad? On Filmgasm, uh, we're going uh, back to Japanese horror. Or maybe two Japanese horror. Have we done Japanese horror on Filmgasm yet? <laughs> I'm, I'm blanking here. Oh, yeah, we did audition. Oh, yeah. Duh. Yeah. Over, I, 200, I, I, over 200. Give me a break. Yeah, I forgot too. I forgot as well. And we, I was on that one. <laughs> well, Caleb and I are doing uh, Juon, The Grudge from 2002, one of the scariest movies to come out of Japan. Uh, very mm. exciting. Uh, hard to get a hold of. We're going to have to rent it. Can't get a Blu-ray. I tried. Uh, and then on Beyond the Bad, uh, we're going to uh, Travolta's third Fall from Grace. Oh, dear Lord. With uh, 2019's The Fanatic, where he plays an autistic stalker. So this ought to be quite... Hard to watch. Oh, dear God. <laughs> I don't know how y'all do it. Uh, that's amazing. We have each other. That is how we do it. Yeah. 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 You have the conversation to look forward to. You know, you get to get to spill your beans about what, what you think about it. So, dear Lord, John Travolta, my man, you just have had too many different phases of your career to even keep up with. Uh, ne- next week on this show, we're going we're going super old school. Going back to 1936. Um, that is the first year that the Best Supporting Actor category was introduced. And Mr. Walter Brennan, the GOAT of the Best uh, Supporting Actor uh, category, won the Oscar that year for Come and Get It. This is another movie that's on Amazon Prime. It is it is watchable. Uh, it was also up for Best Film Editing, Edward Curtis. So there's a couple nominations, a couple categories to talk about. 
most importantly, we're going to talk about our favorite category, quite possibly, which is the best supporting actor category at greater length. I'm going to prepare a, a big project for Connor to tackle uh, to give us a give us a fun way to start the episode off. You know, um, I'm super, super stoked to do that. It's always fun to go back to the 30s because you never know what you're going to get. You, you, know, you, you don't know if you're going to get a gem or you're going to be just completely underwhelmed. <laughs> it, can, it can go one of two ways, you know, so I, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch something that uh, neither of us have seen before. So we've been knocking out some fucking bangers lately. And it's going to be nice to kind of go back to old school. This is, this is er, early cinema. And that's a big part of our show is stretching, stretching and doing that, you know, doing that work. So I'm excited. It's going to be fun. And, uh, as we get closer to, you know, we have award season rolling around and we have, you know, of course the Oscars, they're still like six months away, but uh, we're going to be seeing stuff that's going to be in the conversation for Oscars. Uh, what we'll probably start doing more is talking about stuff we've seen in theaters as those movies start coming out, you know, in, in you know, October, November, December, those are very important months for the Oscars and Connor, I will likely be checking stuff out we'll at the beginning of the show we'll probably start you know devoting time to talking about those those movies that come out what we're looking forward to seeing and what what we have seen and what we think about them what they might be up for you know because this is oscar sunday we do like to be in that that got that conversation of what's happening now with the academy um with that being said before we go what's the movie you're most looking forward to that's coming out within the next, you know, three or four months. Easily the whale. Ah, big Brendan Fraser guy. Yes. Oh, I am so happy for him. I'm so happy for his success. I've heard he is amazing in this, getting early Oscar buzz, which would just be the icing on the cake for this man. I'm I'm so happy he's back, and I can't wait to see this performance. Yeah, that's likely going to be gut-wrenching. You know, it's going to be, like, such a crazy experience to kind of see him see him back in the limelight and see him do something with Darren Aronofsky, you know, it's just such an interesting combination of, of actor, uh, actor, director. And so I'm, I'm also very much looking forward to that. My number one would, this is tough. You know, I, I, this is my time of the year. Um, I'm very much looking forward to that one. I'm definitely looking forward to finally seeing the end of the uh, Halloween trilogy, the David Gordon green trilogy. Um, but if I had to pick something that I'm like, I have to see that opening weekend. I have to check that out. Believe it or not. And this is mostly because of what I've kind of read about and what I've heard. It's probably Steven Spielberg's The Fablements. That movie looks like it could be one of his masterpieces. It looks like it could be a, a, another, another career defining movie, which is crazy to think about him, you know? Well, we know we love movies about movies, and this is Spielberg telling his own story about the films that inspired him to make these masterpieces. Yep, I'm very excited, and you know it's Paul Dano and Michelle Williams. I mean, come on, uh, yeah, those are those are two of my people. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be great. Yeah, I'm super excited for that, and of course, um, Babylon looks great. It's, it's coming out. Uh, it's coming out nationwide in January. Can't wait for that. The new Black Panther looks dope. Yeah, there's, it's going to be fun. We'll definitely be talking about these movies as they come out on this show we'll kind of use oscar sunday to talk about the current award season you know landscape so super excited it's gonna be a lot of fun 
Uh, we'll see you guys on Wednesday for Filmgasm. Uh, keep 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 looking at our website, looking at the reviews that Connor's constantly putting up. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Filmgasm. Uh, keep watching movies, and we'll see you soon.